0: Okay. So we are going to do, first we do pre-flight. Well, first I blew my nose. I'll do that one first. (laughs) You're way behind. Catch up. Hang on. Hang on. Blew my nose. Is this still a pre-flight? No.
1: Pre-flight is done.
0: Okay. So I blew my nose and then we did the pre-flight and then we've got follow-up and then we've got a mini topic and then we've got the main topic. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Are we done with the pre-flight now? We are. We were already done with it. Which one am I? Blew my nose. Uh, You're the snuffy one. Well, you know, I like it hot. You do, yeah. It makes makes the nose run. When the heat is on. Yeah, I have a new kind of my new official. I still, listen, listen, listen. I thought you liked Omni Focus. I still like uh, Kuali uh, 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 Internet Ramen. But I have a new kind of ramen that I really like. And it's 2X Double Heat Ramen. I'll get the name, name brand so you can pick it up. I know you like spicy foods. And it is mental. It's crazy. Like, I kind of seriously, kind of as a prank, I gave just a little bit to my wife in a tiny little cup, and she nearly lost her goddamn mind. Your your, your eyes and your nose just, just flow openly when you have this stuff. I'll find it for show notes. Um, and um, so I blew my nose. We did the pre-flight. Um, John, what's going on with TV's? What isn't going on with TV?
1: Oh, no, before we even get to TVs, sorry, I, my my fault. I didn't pre flight the first we item the before we get to TVs. Because you okay. know, we have to talk about TVs and, until I don't know, until I get one, until forever. But anyway, there's one item that I skipped over in our pre flight that I do need to address. It's <gasps> important. Yes! Follow from last time. Yes, jury duty, jury duty. Yep, I had that in the, that was coming up last episode. I had jury duty coming up. Um, and, I, and I did it. I did my duty, as they say. <gasps> Tell me every bit. One day, one trial. So the first exciting thing, uh, well, even before I went, uh, well, the non-exciting thing is I called in and said, hey, do I need to show up? And they said, yeah, you need to show up. Okay. Yeah, so there's that. I hate one. that. Uh, but the, the next exciting thing was, uh, unlike the last time I went, they said, oh, you're allowed to bring your phone, uh, which was great because the last time I did it, it was like, sorry, no
0: I've never heard devices. of that. I've never heard of don't bring your phone.
1: Yeah. I had to bring, last time I believe I brought my iPod shuffle because that was sufficiently non-computery.
0: And then, uh, just to state the obvious, this is to avoid people uh, like getting information like during selection, and to avoid them in the event of selection to avoid them sharing information with people. But I mainly, I'm guessing to keep you from like googling the defendant.
1: I mean, they don't explain their reasoning in the little sheet of paper they say. I, 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 always always I always Google the defendant.
0: Yeah. Please do not bring your
1: smartphone. All right. But anyway, this year they said, yeah, you can bring your smartphone, which is nice. All right. The next cool thing, I didn't realize this when I was looking it up on the map because I'm like, yeah, this is where I went last time. Uh, I showed up there, but actually it's a brand new building, brand spanking new building. All the mod cons. Big upgrade from mm-hmm. the like extremely decrepit sort of, uh, I would call it like scary 1930s middle school feel that the, <laughs> the previous <laughs> building had. But you were like in a, like a basement room with like subway tiles on the wall, little Ac- windows but really, not really echoey up. and like foreboding. Yeah, and just very narrow, dark hallways with lots of tile, right? And very small window. Anyway, this was a brand new building. As I found out as the, uh, you, know, you know, the people who do jury duty, like they're just, you know, I yeah. don't know, they're, they're jury duty lifers, like the people who run it. No,
0: I know exactly what you mean. They've seen
1: it all. Yeah and there there a lot of them are going through their various uh, ride jokes about the fact that the this the first day this building was open was like March 2020 right uh, and then like they yeah. spent, they spent all like 3 days in the building and they all just disappeared for a year or two so they're like we're still learning where things are in the building Oh
0: god so it's been like sitting mostly under glass for 2 years
1: Yeah so yeah. It's well preserved. But anyway, I got to sit in a, in a fancy room that had way more televisions than it needed to have. I believe there were five televisions that I could see with from where I was sitting sitting in one of these little chairs. Um, and the uh, long or the short of it is they did have trials that day. Um, my number was 18. They called people up to like the room where you sit, the courtroom, basically they called numbers one through 27, please go up to the courtroom. So I got to go up to the courtroom and sit in the back of the courtroom. Yeah. And then they had a whole bunch of talks about what the case is and so on and so forth. And and they said, now we're going to pick, if we call your number, go sit in the jury box.
0: And I I heard, you know, I heard them say I'm sorry, I have so many questions because I'm obsessed with this. And so was your number meaningful- it's more than just a serial number. It's also a, a marker of the order in which people tend to be called up for what year? But
1: only because that's the way they chose to do it. Like, oh. they did ask numbers 1 through 27 to go up to the courtroom, so I went. And then when we were in the courtroom, I heard, like, they they have, like, these white noise machines that are supposed to make it so the people in the back can't hear what the people in the front <laughs> are saying, but they right. did not work. Right. And so I heard them say, the judge is saying okay, you can just go through them, you know, start from one and just go up from there, right? (laughs) Kill the narrow one. (laughs) Right. And so what they did was they started, they they went in number order and I'm assuming that the defense and the plaintiff had, like the lawyers for the defense and the plaintiff had decided which jurors of these first 27 they wanted. And so they said, number one, go sit in the jury box. Number two, go sit in the jury box. Number four, go sit in the jury box. Number five, go sit. And they were skipping numbers, but they weren't
0: skipping a lot of numbers. So they seated everybody I thought, in the Jerry If I box. knew I was eighteen, would you say eighteen? You were, yeah. Um, that is too close for comfort for me. There's no way well, they would seat. Uh, uh, I, 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 if I was eighteen, I would be up there. I, I know I would get seated.
1: Well, but the good thing is it was civil trial, so seven people instead of nine. Okay, and like alternates and stuff like that. That's something I didn't know. That it, anyway, seven people. So they they called seven people up, and they didn't. They like the last number they called was like uh, ten, um, and then uh, everyone was sitting there. And then I think the, the, the defense, um, called some uh, defense wanted one of the jurors to come over to the sidebar to like ask a bunch of questions to them. So juror number, you know, six, please come over here. So juror number six gets up, goes over has a little sidebar with the judge and the defense lawyer and the plaintiff's lawyer. And they're and I actually couldn't hear what they're saying. Cause they were, they're all whispering to each other. They're real close by or whatever. They're asking yeah, a bunch yeah. of questions. Uh, And then they eventually say, okay, juror number seven, go back to the back of the room. So juror number seven
0: was rejected by, uh, but thrown back into the pond and might be usable later in the day for a different trial. And then they just
1: called the next number, which was like number 12 and number 12 went up and sat there and they said, you know, is everyone happy with this jury? And the the two lawyers said yes. And they said, okay, everyone who's not in the jury box can go back
0: downstairs. And so I did. And then eventually they sent us home. Oh my God. That's great. If you can make it in all, and it, oh God, John, I have been through this so many times, and I want to compare and contrast just a little bit. There's so many instances from the time you get the notice in the mail, till you hopefully go back to your family someday. There's so many things where you're this close, mm-hmm. I feel like. We're like, you know, I, I because I'm a magical thinker, I know that you are not. And so, like, when I call in and in here, and just to compare along the way, uh, starting on usually a Sunday night, you call, and you punch in uh, what you're group number is, you you know, and of course it's so, it's so dispiriting. It's already your juror badge is included with your notice to appear. So you're mm. supposed to, you know, bring all that along. Uh, and you're like, Oh God, first day I'm good. And then I'm thinking like, Ooh, 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 maybe by the second day, you know, they'll have everything they need for trials and I'll be all done. Cause it is the later you go into the week, it feels like the less like you are to be likely you are to be called, which is probably along the same logical lines as always picking C on a multiple choice test. But it's like, oh, uh, uh, I'm so close. I'm so close to being done. And then you get there and like you sit in the jury room and you're like, oh, oh, am I going to be in a group that gets called up to the courtroom? Uh, you get called up to the courtroom. You go to the courtroom, like you say, and ours, you sit in the back. And then I'm trying to remember how much they tell you here before you go up. But it's usually, I mean, it's, it, it is so medieval because you can see there's a black man in, in, in a, you know, cheap suit. Or you know, or two two dudes like sitting at a desk, like you know, my cousin Vinny or whatever. And then you like, oh, are you going to get questioned? Because in ours, they they always do a general go around the room first. I think where they go around and you for you fill out a thing. Here's all the questions we're going to ask you. Be prepared to answer all of these. What do you do for work? Do you have any family members in law enforcement? Have you ever been? I think have you ever been convicted of a crime? I, I think that's one of I've them. Have you ever been sued? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And do you know, do you recognize anybody in this room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And you're like, oh, so close, so close, so close. And, but it just keeps going, you know, just keep, it's, I find it, believe it or not, John, I find it incredibly stressful because it's such a series of like, of little, little decisions that are out of your control, but it's still in this very formal environment. And it's, it's a feeling like you go to meetings and stuff, but like, for me, this all feels so foreign, so formal. I'm never, I'm never more relieved than when I get to go home.
1: Yeah, it's a good feeling. Although, I, I have to say, this is the first time I've actually even called up to the jury room. Before that, I guess my number is always high enough not to get called up. Um, And they did explain the case to us. They, like, before they even seated the jury, they said, here's the deal with the case. This the judge civil, explains it, yeah? Yeah, this is a okay. civil case. Okay. Uh, that person over there is suing that person over there. It was a Cambodian woman who was there with a the translator because she didn't speak English. That's right. And she was suing this other white dude uh, for a car accident that she says was his fault. So it's a civil suit she's suing about the car accident. Oh, interesting. And she, okay. And uh, and
0: it was all explained to us, right? Um yeah, and, and please the, don't uh, don't don't take anything away from the fact that there's a translator here, blah, blah blah blah, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah and they did the whole thing. Do you is anyone in the back there
1: know anyone in the room related? You know, they did all the questions. We filled up the questionnaires and they also asked questions of people in, in general. Um and then when they seated everybody, the one guy who got called up and got asked question got kicked out he was the one Asian guy on the jury. The defense kicked him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because
0: the defense I, that Asian guy is obviously going to
1: sympathize with this Asian lady. So we got to get him off the yeah, jury. Yeah, but
0: you never, you never know. I mean, the thing is, it's, I used to think in a very, I, I, I in my opinion, I used to think in a very narrow way about the logic of how that works. But having talked to just a handful of friends who are lawyers about my travails with jury duty over the years, I got some somewhat surprising responses, maybe not surprising to you, but surprising to me, which is like, you know, if you're a real pain in the ass like I am and, you know, you're saying, well, it depends on, you know, it depends on how you define that or blah, 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 and like being a real butthole with somebody, defense lawyers love that guy because that means that's a guy, whether or not I, I am an intelligent man, I maybe parse as somebody who will think it through, not come in with just an automatic thought about it, but we'll push back mm-hmm. a little bit on both sides. And I think that in particular is, is something defense, but like, I, I don't think it's always safe to assume that, Oh, this person looks like a gun nut. So they'll probably be good for in a criminal trial anyway, uh, for the prosecution. But it, it it can be, it can be really weird. And, and I know a little bit about this just because of when I did litigation support, there's, you know, there's, a, I think there's two kinds of challenges. There's peremptory challenges and challenges for cause. I think it's, I don't know if it's the exact term, but there's some people where you can just be like, sorry, Asian dude, not interested. And then other times where you might go, you have to come up with a re, you know about this, right? Where, where you have to come mm-hmm. up with a reason why that person should be uh, disincluded. And in I think the judge then decides. So if the defense wants this person and the plaintiff doesn't, I think the judge adjudicates that. For cause, it
1: was interesting that like they skipped over numbers when they were seating people. So obviously, some people were skipped over, presumably because what I had already answered in their questionnaire, which is all the questions mm-hmm. they just listed, right? So mm-hmm. some people got skipped at that stage, and I feel like this person only got skipped once, like they were seated and the defense lawyer saw him and said, "Oh, I didn't realize from your name, Mike Smith, that you were Asian, and Asia is just one single place." So I'm going. to. <laughs> Oh come on you're projecting. I am projecting. I don't know, but I'm just saying it was very conspicuous because it, although it was otherwise in a completely yeah, no, white I get it. jury I get it. and you know anyway whatever that was it I'm
0: glad it well, I mean to, like let's 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 know. talk specifics. I mean um I like a lot of people in America I was pretty glued to the TV during the Derek Chauvin uh trial. It was really it was quite a fascinating trial and like you know you like any of the things whether it's OJ or any kind of a like a televised trial you really you develop a real sense of like who the different lawyers are and like what their deal is. And of course that one was so strange because it was during COVID and there's all these there's all these different things where, you know, they turn off the mic, but you can't really hear anyway because the judge is behind the screen and they can speak directly, I think, through a little walkie-talkie to the to the different attorneys. But I mean, I, I I'm I'm forgive my uh falling to the to the chicken problem here, but I'm not saying this. I don't, I don't mean this to be racist if it comes across this way, but for example, a more simple person might say, oh, I don't want this um, old African-American lady on the jury because she's black and the person who got shot is black. But then I think you go, you go up like the galaxy brain meme, you go up to the next level and it's like, well, yeah, but that's, this lady's a, you know, she's been a small business owner her whole life and she has a very strong, strongly held position about young people that she regards as being scofflaws you know you can go higher up and just be like well this is somebody this person got real dressed up to come in today and they're probably a retiree and that tells me that like they are going to pay a lot of attention and hopefully not fall asleep mm-hmm. i think there is a galaxy brain component to this stuff though where it's not really is not as simple as well you know black people let black people off the hook or you know asian people uh, you know let asian people off the hook it's I don't know. I, I think that's that's part of what makes that interesting. What I want and what I think we should do is we need to rethink the jury system in a way where it's more like placement. Like, you know, like it's, imagine you got a co- your guidance counselor in high school who's like, well, you know, you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but, you know, you're fast running f- in football. So maybe you should, you know, I don't know, do stick ups or something. I wish I could be, I want to, I believe in the system, kind of, most. So I, <clears throat> there are ways in which I believe in this system, but I cannot in my position such as it is disappear for a month. Like I can't, I mean, <laughs> especially at the times when like I was taking my kid to school uh, since what? Since 2001, I've worked on my own for myself. If you like, it's like, I just can't bounce for a month. That, that the one that was so stressful I mean you'll remember this. I I'll never forget this as discussed on the talk show. I'll find the link for notes. Uh it was election day 20 or yeah, election day 2016 when I was called in for jury duty and almost had to serve for what would probably be weeks or months. I think we probably talked about it here. Um but it was uh I was f- losing my uh excrement I was so scared that I was like this close. This is when I pulled the the jury nullification card with the judge mm-hmm. because I was like, I cannot disappear. I mean, I realized, yeah, Christmas, I'll be off. I'll be okay. But like, I can't disappear for like the first two months of 2017. And of course, so, but here's the problem. And this is why you don't want to mess with the police. You don't want to, don't talk to the police Say nothing to the police, because no matter what you say, it will literally be used against you. That's why they give you those rights, is that there is no way in which they are trying to make your life easier. And in this instance, the extension of police here to the, the courts is like, so what? Now, I got called in because I registered to vote. Now, I come in here, and I have to explain what I do for a living in order for you to have even a modicum of sympathy. I mean, not, not, sympathy is not what I'm looking for, but understanding of, like, why— I, uh, why it is that I can't have a seven-year-old kid and a business in which I am the only worker, I can't just go off the grid. I can't just, I can't collect my, you know, my daily stipend from city government. Like, I'm I'm really, really going to be in a bad way if you seat me on this. Can you give me something easier? We should do that. Yeah, that's
1: the, the, the hardship exclusion, And I always wonder what they consider a definite of hardship. But to be clear, I'd never,
0: I don't have any, Hardship. That is a sliding scale. And I have seen, I've been in enough almost getting, like, almost being seated. Like, I've been called a million times. As I explained a few years ago, it turned out that I was registered at two addresses that are, as it happens, two digits apart. So our old place and our new place. And so that's why I was getting called. Did I ever tell you that? I told you that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't called so much, but like I've, I've been through being up to the point of being seated a bunch of times. I've only served on an actual jury through the end or, you know, through the, the end of the trial per se is like three times maybe ever. But I feel like when it gets to be late in the day, there's all kinds of business consultant thoughts about when you do different things, ask for different things. I'm telling you by the end of the day, the hardships need to be a lot harder. They might let you off. If you get up there fast, this is a, a life hack for you. If you get up there fast and furious, I think you you may get off a lot easier than somebody further down the line when they're running out of people. I have to say there was a lot of people in that uh, in that jury room. Like a, like
1: 1 through 27 got called up to the courtroom, and I think there was like 50, 70 people
0: in that. There was a lot of people. That doesn't seem – if well – Okay, so here's what I get. It's like uh, having a party or, you know, when you, uh, in in a previous life, my wife used to do a lot of um, event management and like, not a party planner, but in at Stanford and at UCSF, she has done a lot of like, she used to manage basically events for the dean of the medical school. And she says, it's like, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do because everything affects everything. It's the thing about planning your wedding. And however modest your wedding was, or my mom, we just got married at the courthouse, but when you're planning a wedding, just that's a pretty you have a pretty good idea how many people are going to be there. You have a pretty good idea of how much you can afford, plus or minus for a budget, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're dealing with strangers or near strangers, like that's really hard to do. As somebody who used to work in and help run a restaurant, that that can be the death of you if you miscalculate. Because if it's going to be three turnovers on a Saturday, or like Mother's Day or a Saturday night, like that's going to affect your staffing decisions. That's going to affect like maybe that's a big prime rib night and that's a lot of money for you to lay out to then have half the people just not show up. What I'm getting at here is I can understand needing to get a bigger pool of people than you know will be seated the same way that airlines overbook, right? But what I don't get is like, you aren't are you also then given the one day, one trial, Ethos, aren't you then potentially sacrificing, in in a a macro way, a lot of future jury pool if you keep customarily bringing in three times the number of people you actually see?
1: I mean, I think they just have enough people that they can overfill every single day. I mean, some days they just send everybody home and there's not even any trials. Some days, absolutely, I've had that. Totally. Some days there's trials. There's it's there's there's criminal. There's civil. There's there's lots of different trials that could Mm -hmm. be happening. So I think the jury pool is sized for maximum capacity, and they just have enough people that. Just we're just going to call that many people every single time. And we have enough that even though it's one day, one trial, and however many years between you get called, it's, there's enough people in the
0: state to do it. Would you feel comfortable sharing, if you haven't already, because I've certainly forgotten it, and knowing you, you have too, um, would you be comfortable sharing your feeling about the jury system? What What do you think works about it, and what are you maybe not as crazy about?
1: I, mean, I think it's it's a reasonable system in Massachusetts anyway. They do have the one day, one
0: trial thing. But, so but it's I mean, not gonna... like, I'm sorry, from, from the standpoint of... Um, I don't know, uh, from the standpoint of jurisprudence and legal and social justice. Like, yeah, do I, I feel you... like
1: uh, jurisdiction shopping is the main problem. Like when you get all these, you know, you get a black person on trial with an all white jury because they happen to put it in a jurisdiction where the jury pool <laughs> is going to it, mostly be made up of white stuff. people. Yeah. yeah, like that. Or, or you know, East Texas for patent lawsuits. Like that's that's a problem and, you know, like, it's not the jury system that's failing. Like, once you get to the point where you're selecting a jury from some town where 90% of the people are white, well, you're probably going to get a jury for all white people just on random chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the uh, you know, that's the, the problem happened before that. The the exceptions for hardship, the how much money they're going to pay you for missing your job, all that other stuff could probably stand to be improved. But I feel like every time I've gone to it, I've, I get the feeling that everybody involved believes in the system and that the system makes right. some kind of sense. And once you're in it, no matter how much
0: you're like, yeah, I mean, like, like elections, right? I mean, at least in theory, everybody can agree with it. But how do you feel about it in terms of like, God forbid, if if you found yourself on trial, and it was going to be a jury trial? Like, what do you how do you feel about the way it works for if you like society or for the accused? Do you think the jury system works?
1: I mean, it's the obvious, like, problem with everything where, like, well, if you have a lot of money, things go better for you uh, because you can hire better lawyers and all that. Like, money is a big advantage, and those advantages Mm -hmm. play out in the courtroom. And it's not the fault of the jury that one lawyer was better than the other and made a more convincing case, right, that you just have to decide based on, you know, I I think – it's it's the best system we've come up with so far, and I think it is it is reasonable. And as much as like you're on a podcast saying, "Oh, I really hope I don't get picked for jury duty. If I did get picked for it, I would do it." Like that's, that's the system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not you know it's not it's not that big a deal. It's not actually that big of a hardship for me, uh, and so I it's it would be fine. But obviously, no one wants to sort of be commanded to spend their days doing a thing that they otherwise didn't plan to do. That's that's never fun, but it's just part of what we have to do. This is
0: what goes through my mind, and, and honestly, the jury nullification thing is not. It's just an abstract idea to me because it is not at all difficult, and this is the point I was really trying to ask about: It's like, how do you feel about it in terms of how it serves justice? The the if you want to, I hate to put it in those lofty terms, but the truth is, like, I do believe in the jury system, except where I don't, and at least my understanding of jury jury nullification, which is very, is based on YouTube videos. Is I could very much see myself if I, even if I didn't know a name for what that thing was, uh, I can very easily imagine instances where I would go, nah, I don't think yeah, so.
1: I, I think that happens all the time. I think that's an important part of the system. like I, I actually answered that in one of the questionnaires. like like when it comes down to this is a thing that I think a lot of people can relate to, like is there something where if the person was hundred percent guilty, you still still wouldn't convict them like for example, right. if they were if they were you know uh accused and uh, of uh, uh drug use, right? It was like, oh, or they had an ounce of marijuana on them in the days when that was super duper illegal. Right. I would just never convict for that. Like, even though it's against the law and they did it and I agree on all those facts, but I would just no, not convict. That's, you know, jury nullification, right? You're not supposed to do that, but it is part of the system. If you get seated on the jury, that is a thing you can choose to do because once you're on that jury, there's nothing
0: saying that you have to come over. To- if they need, yeah. if they need a... Uh, I mean, I think certainly in uh, capital cases, definitely, and a lot of, I don't know, again, I'm talking out of my ass, but I, I'm pretty sure in capital cases, and I do believe in most criminal cases, it has to be a um, unanimous. And so if one person says, mm-hmm. I don't think so, um, but, for example, ripped uh, riff from today's headlines, uh, Navalny uh, was just found <laughs> found guilty of fraud in Russia and has now, on top of everything else, been sentenced to another nine years in prison. And because that guy needs more pain in his life. And it's like, well, you know, obviously, if I were surfing on a jury in Russia, I'd be a different person in a different context, and I'm no hero. But here, you know, there's just, there's, I, I, I think we, I don't think of myself as being an anti-police person. But I think between the two of us we could put together one pretty good anti police person. Not anti police person, but anti police. Uh, an-
1: anti police from the for the purposes of choosing being chosen for a jury is to, to answer incorrectly to statements like, do you believe it's possible for a police officer to lie on the stand? If you say yes to that question, you're not on the jury.
0: Right. But I just I guess what I'm saying is like I I there will be Dozens more stories, verifiable stories that will come across my transom in the next two years about the, the sickening stuff that police are getting away with on the street level that they, that are, they are getting away with at like the, in the squad room level and the the higher up you go, like there's just so much that's institutionally extremely screwed up about the police even if you're the best cop in the world and you're Serpico or whatever, like there's just so much corruption in the system that can't help but splash onto individual people. I am naturally at this point in my life, for better or for worse, I am very resistant to believing that just because a cop said it, it's true. And I'm to you, to John Syracuse, that's gonna, you're gonna roll your eyes and go, well, of course. But I think most people who show up, I, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of people who like show up you know, average, you know, 51st percentile person shows up, is generally going to tend to believe that a cop who comes in, and again, now this is a cop who has given testimony so many times they know what they're doing. And, or dude, dude, did you watch the Netflix series? Uh, the Massachusetts based, uh, how to fix a drug scandal? No. Oh dude, write it down. Uh, one uh, not Quincy. Uh, one in Boston. One in what's the far western part? Nobody thinks of as Massachusetts. Um, is a college college town maybe. But anyway, it's the story of these two different things at two different drug labs that will just curl your hair. You probably remember hearing. Did you hear about these cases? A yeah, few was years like ago? the results were falsified for years and years. Oh, I'm gonna spoil it for you. You're not gonna watch it. Okay, sorry. Uh, everybody, turn this off for 45 seconds. One person had basically been dipping into the evidence bags at first, just dipping into, like, off the table, like, get a little energy. Then started cutting open evidence bags and replacing it with fake stuff. But then, eventually, not the reagents, but the controls, basically. You have a big cabinet full of controls. Like, pure this, pure that. They started (laughs) breaking in, like, going into the, like, bottle of meth that they use as a control and replacing it with water. And I'll let you just think for a second, what that means for everything mm-hmm. they've tested for their entire time there. The other person was this woman doing what they call, I think it's called, I want to say dry, dry benching, but this thing where basically you're supposed to be able to show chapter and verse that I think this is the Boston one. Was it like, I have, I have tested every single bit of this. da da Like if I got, let's say I got, I got 12 bags of what purports to be high grade cocaine. Um, You're supposed to test every one of those bags and then show the chain of custody and all the, you know, all the stuff. All the stuff you have to do to, like, be able to appear in court and say, yes, this is definitely cocaine. I've done this 25,000 times or whatever. But, so the one one woman over... Well, it doesn't matter. It's a woman. The person over here is basically watering down the control that's used as she's using up the evidence. Talk about a headache crossing your desk as a DA, but the person in Boston... She, let's say she got those 12 bags of what purports to be cocaine, she would test one of them. And her productivity like went through the roof. She was getting triple the productivity, I believe they said, of other people doing this same stuff. You, you could still watch this and really enjoy it. It's it's My kid and I watched it together, and it's bananas. But, okay, so there's another one. However you feel about cops. Oh, I love cops. Oh, that's your friend. Go talk to the cop. And, you know, unless you're black. But, you know, um, uh, uh, the talk that everybody has to have uh, the so many african-american parents have with their kids about like i mean jesus christ what was the latest one freaking um uh what's his head uh got mistaken for a bank robber um yeah. the director of uh what movies oh yeah it was uh it was the guy from black panther it was uh uh ryan ryan coogler Cooler. yeah 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 or look at look at uh cornell west i think it was cornell west like got arrested outside his own home It's like, guys, this is not an abstract idea about how we misunderstand each other. This is all you're seeing, the very tiny little point of an iceberg that tells you absolutely nothing about how broad that base gets. Like, this is such a huge problem. And and then you add to that stuff like you Massachusetts uh, drug lab people and, and your problems with that. I don't know, man. I hate to sound cynical. I would love to be able to say the kind of pap people said to me as a kid and feel good about it. I can't tell my kid that, Pat. I've told my kid never, ever, ever talk to a cop. If you get lost in a store, look for a woman with children. If a cop asks you any questions, immediately demand us and/or a lawyer. We'll put the video. You've seen the video, right? Never talk to mm-hmm. police. Yep. Yeah. And I tell you, man, you go and you watch some of these police interrogation videos, and it'll really change the way your grim brother, grim brothers, wrong, bad example, but your fairy tale ideas. Of like what the police are there to do are going to really change when you see how this stuff works in practice and what they can legally get away with, and so much of it is because you know everybody loves Lenny Briscoe, everybody loves Columbo, and it's like it's it's such a gross corrupt system of protecting their own. See, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna probably die under unusual circumstances literally tonight. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. Friends, Burrow is a new kind of furniture company that is dedicated to fixing all the things that annoy you about furniture shopping. Thank you. Finally. They started with their award-winning modular sofa, and then expanded to the rest of the living room with coffee tables, rugs, and more. They're, they're growing, you guys. And now they're bringing their innovative design to the bedroom. Burrow is proud to launch everything you need to build your ideal bedroom, including solid hardwood bed frame, cooling mattresses, modular dressers, and a clever nightstand. Keeping all those features people love about their living room furniture, including that they're uh, easy to assemble. It's very simple. Get premium materials, stable construction, and smart features. These are all built into their bedroom designs. And if you're not in the market for bedroom furniture right now, well, they also just released their new field sectional sofa, a perfectly balanced design available in all new extra luxurious fabric. And one of the great things about Burrow is every order is delivered directly to your door for free. They'll find your door and they'll bring it to you and and that part's free. And you you can't say that about a lot of places, you know, That, that can save you well over $100 when it comes to buying something big like a, like a couch or a bed, not too shabby. And here's the thing right now, listeners to Reconcilable Differences can get 75 American dollars off their first order at Burrow dot com slash rd that's rd that's mm-hmm. fun that way b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash rd it's gonna get you 75 dollars off one more time say it thrice and it's almost like praying com slash rd i got one of these couches and i love it you know i've said this before but you know i i, I bought one of their couches before they're even a sponsor well like, like some kind of a like a jerk i didn't even i didn't even save any money on it Maybe I'll get a bedroom. I don't know. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay FM <sighs> I'm glad you're I'm glad you're out. You know what I'm saying yeah. yeah kill the narrow one. okay uh up next, John, is it time to move on to the new uh well a new a a renewed source of sadness in your life, the incessant trolling you receive from all the makers of television sets?
1: It continues.
0: Uh, The latest (laughs) is. Just keep on coming. Yep. The
1: latest is Samsung, which, as we know, are the only people making the QD OLED panel. But previously, they had not. Your QD OLED. They were, yeah, no. They were not making uh, any QD OLED televisions. But lo and behold, Samsung has announced its own line of QD OLED televisions. If you look at the picture in the notes, you will see that it has a sane Syracuse compatible stand. It is a very small stand. What what you
0: call a central stand. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: But of course, this is not the TV I want, nor is it the TV I can get because it doesn't even support Dolby Vision. Because Samsung, for, in the sort of the wars between HDR 10 and HDR 10 Plus and Dolby Vision, Samsung chose the wrong side. Everyone is going
0: Dolby Vision oh, now. Oh, they went with the H. They they went with the HD DVD. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, they went with HDR 10, which is crappy, but now HDR 10 Plus has dynamic metadata and supposedly is just as good as Dolby Vision. But I am sticking with Dolby Vision, so. Now we're we're two for two, two <laughs> televisions that in previous years I would have purchased or considered, but that now uh, you know the LG one I'm not getting us not QD OLED, and the QD OLED one I'm not getting because it's Samsung and I don't really like their software.
0: What is there a combination that hasn't happened yet? Is there so the, the, we've seen one the TV you want, but but it doesn't have a monopod you can live with. Mm-hmm. We've seen are what are, what are can you at this point? Are you able at this point, knowing what your priorities, as Marco would say, knowing what your priorities are. Do you have a sense of what the next big troll is going to be? Can you feel it coming? I, I think
1: this is it. Because Unless there is another manufacturer that is going to use Samsung's QD OLED panel in a mm-hmm. television set that supports Dolby Vision. I don't know who would make that, though, because I, I think everyone has announced who's going to make it. So I think this okay. is it. I think the trolling should be over. I just it, it's ridiculous to me that Samsung, which is like one of the pioneers of stands that don't work with my furniture. They were one of the very first to have these really wide set stand years and years ago. Now, all of a sudden. Their stand is central. LG stand is central. But Sony, the one TV I want to get this year, yes. not central. Doesn't make any sense.
0: I, I. It feels like the monopod should be the easiest part. It, just in passing today, this is way too long a story to get into. But I, as, as mentioned on some other programs, and, and actually on the after show here last week, I have ordered a new Apple monitor, which means I now have a spare uh, crappy LG monitor that I'm going to, long story short, I'm going to use one of my... Um, bonus XS Mac minis to have two Macs at my desk with two separate monitors and utilize universal control betwixt them. I'm going to have a second, my my less fancy Mac mini I'm going to use possibly for recording, like a dedicated recording slash watching TV one. So long story short, I've been experimenting with VESA mounts again. So I got a couple different VESA things that i set up today and i'm actually using a vesa mounted monitor now hello jason snell um is the monopod i'm sorry i'm being stupid the the central thing is there nothing you could do couldn't you go get like learn welding or something and couldn't you make the sony be the way you want is there no way that can be bent to your will perhaps literally
1: uh no but you can you can still mount it it's not visa but there is a mounting standard for televisions right i just
0: mean in the sense of like all the other parts like the you can't change the hdr 10 plus pro ness Mm -hmm. of something if you like everything on the sony except for the monopod lack of monopod you don't think there's any way that you can hotwire that to be the way you want it to be
1: no there is i can buy a third-party stand that's what i'm gonna have to do the problem is third-party stands suck
0: I'm gonna like there are it mounting holes uh, in the you back. Know, the, you, the phrase when I was a kid, they say it wobbles like an LG.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get the Sony. That's huh, so wobble, that's the, wobble, the final, wobble, final wobble, bit wobble. here on the television thing is Sony. Sony TV has a date and a price now, right? And the date is June. So this, the Sony television that I want will be on sale in June. And right now, <sighs> it looks like I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy this oh the my Sony God, TV in God, June. Stay
0: healthy. Be careful crossing yep. the street. And You're I'm so gonna close.
1: buy. I'm gonna buy my best guess at a third party stand that I won't hate. Uh, And then we'll see how that goes. Uh, The good thing is third-party stands are cheap. So if I don't like it, I can, you know, return it, get another one, return it, get another one, and try to find a third-party stand that I don't hate. Yeah, they're like iPhone cases. You can just get 15 and send 14 back. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tricky. But anyway, that's that's what I'm going to do. So that's the current plan.
0: Oh, John, this is so exciting to me. I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously, the Mac Pro was a benchmark. Mm Mm-hmm. The and wait, did you have a trash can before that? I forget. Why no, am I forgetting I did not that? I skipped the trash can. I thought so. Okay. So you had your computer for I believe a decade. Is that correct? hmm The previous one. Then you got you got the one with the what's called Trichinosis. What's the one with the holes? You got that one. Yep. The the Mac Pro and your and your cool monitor. Um, this is, I have to say, from my POV. I like Max fine, but you getting a new TV would make me really, really happy. Just just for, for my own reasons, it would make me happy.
1: I might get two of them because we have a TV upstairs too. And uh, now LG is making a 42-inch uh, OLED, so I might look at that for upstairs. That's a good idea.
0: Now, what about the one down in the finish room? Uh, there's no TV down there. How's your freezer, by the way? Still in the garage. Cool.
1: <laughs> Still unresolved. I will definitely bring that up when the next event <laughs> you know, happens.
0: But. You go and you watch those old. Sometimes um, I'll watch what do they call this? Uh, at least this. There's this channel that does what they call sleepcore, and it's it's mostly just wackadoo old. It's almost like something from Night Flight or something. You know, it's just these old ephemeral films. You know, sort of like you know, oh God, what's the one in Manos Hands of Fate? The one with the with the guy with the Ford dealership and the handkerchief on his head. Those kind of like instructional videos, you know, industrial videos, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But you watch those like Jenny and Susie understand the importance of toothbrushing, kind of stuff. And it's like I, um, I, I just I, I, I there's there's a happy future that I that I want for you. I I would like you to, I would like you to, I would like you to get this. It would make me happy. Um, and I, I I want you to stay safe. I, I lost sorry, I lost the thread a little bit on what I was talking about there. I'll come back to it if it occurs to me. What was I talking about? Uh mystery science theater before that. Some of the mind moves too fast for, for for other people, and it definitely moves too fast for me. Jim, make me sound smart there. So, anyway, that's coming along, and that'll be great. Alex is enjoying their large television. Alex, mm-hmm. I think, is gonna watch The Suicide Squad on my recommendation. Mm-hmm and And watched the Godfather on it, and enjoyed the large grain, right I think you're i think I think oh finish room, yes, yes, so sleep core, and of course, the vision in all of those things, understandably industrial films and like sales films is like the bright new future of you know of plastic or you know the, everything in the future is going to be great, and you're gonna have automated everything. And isn't it funny how in the year of our Lord 2022, all these years later now, it just feels like I'm ready to fire HomeKit into the sun at this point. The way that HomeKit at this point is broken in so many different places in several really literally unique, different ways with different things. I sh- when I shut off my lights, it shouldn't take 30 seconds and then I can watch them go off about a second apart each all this stuff that is meant to be a convenience—I sound like Roderick. It becomes, it becomes such a project to like deal with all of this stuff that just—it seems like it should be so simple. Haven't they solved all this in Asia? In Asia, don't you just go places and get things that work? Isn't it all fixed other places? Is it just here that everything's such a mess? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. You can always turn your lights off with your hands, like a baby's toy.
0: Oh, like a yeah, like shape, shape sorter, huh? Yeah, no, I like could do that, like the, Like the line from Back to the Future Part 2? Oh, that's not the, the train one's three, right? Yeah. Mary Steenburgen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, she has a name like Roger Federer, <laughs> where I think it has one syllable too many. Eh, it's fine. Yeah. Steenburgen, I, I can understand. Don't you think Roger Federer has too many? Why stop there? Why don't you just keep, call, keep calling him Roger Federer? R- 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 I'm sure he's never heard that one before. You don't think so? Like, like the wizard? Mm-hmm. Um, what has what has more fetter uh, than than Roger? Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. Roger Federist, yeah. Extremely, extremely Federist. hmm Literally. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by our very good friends at Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by visiting memberful.com/slash diffs. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. And it's used by the biggest creators on the web, including me. More on that in a second. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Of the many things you could choose to diversify this week, this fortnight, I really recommend your revenue stream. Now, you might have heard us talking about the Relay FM membership program. Well, hope to shout. I hope you all join Relay.fm. What you may not know is that Memberful is the platform that we use for this very program. They make it super easy to generate the extra revenue stream that you're looking for. You can deliver bonus content to your members like we do, just like us. Uh, Maybe you're already producing content, relying on advertising or other means of income. Well, Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income. There's that word again. With everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more but it still leaves you with the full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And that's that's so important. You want to make your stuff uh, your own and then you know keep it your own. Now, I, I've used uh, a Memberful, uh, like I mentioned, I've used it both as a recipient of uh, diversified revenue and as a giver of diversified revenue. I don't want to name any names, but there's a handful of people that I support directly uh, for what they do, the content, if you like, that they create. And I do that through Memberful. So Thank you, you know, and thank you, right? No, 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 these newsletters are a big deal right now. People love the newsletters. And here's the thing you need to know. You can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. Even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website. There's no additional fee when you're signed up for Memberful's Pro or Premium plans. Also, Apple would like me to sign into something, but, but I'm not going to do that now because I want to talk about this this newsletter thing, right? right? You get that plan and, and then you're going to save money, you know, compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. And I want you to do that. If you're going to diversify your revenue, you should get to, you know, mostly keep it. I'm just saying, just saying. So if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. You can get started for free right now. All you have to do is visit uh, on your home computer. You go to memberful.com slash diffs. That's D I F F S. New credit card is required. Memberful.com slash diffs. Go there right now and check it out. It you know shows your support for the show, for for for, for John Craig uh, Syracusa. And let's be honest, it could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to memberful for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. <laughs> So, uh, that's TVs. Yeah, I love, you know what's so funny, John? Um, There's a thing, this this should go on the list, something that needs a name, where like you, I think I've probably said these exact, almost these exact same words to you. But like, you know, like after you get your RAM upgrade or your SSD drive, uh, I tend to notice increases in speed for less than a week, right? And then it's like, that's just normal. John, I've had, my family has had our current, I can do this 65-inch LG OLED TV for a year and a quarter. John, at least once a week, I say aloud to my family, you know, I love RTV. And I do. I really, I still think RTV looks really good. It makes me really happy. And in the times when my family's not in the room and I'm allowed to play it through the AirPods like a person, excuse me, HomePods, like a person, it sounds amazing, and I'll tell you something, Bud. I started watching when I when I first started watching Turning Red by myself. I played it through four HomePods, too little, too uh, too little and too big, um, too fast, too too furious. And uh, I think I think certain um, like high res movies actually look better when they sound good, and I think they sound better when they look good. I think it's the top as we used to say, the total package. I love it. You should treat yourself is what I'm saying. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. June. June. It's going to happen. Probably. Yeah. That's a good movie. I love Sandra. Oh, assuming they're in stock. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Well, you you know, you got, you, you, you should start working some angles. We're dealing with a thing right now that I won't or can't get into, but it's school adjacent. I shouldn't even say this, but I, I, I sounded like freaking Mike Pence this week or somebody or somebody cool. I was like, I'm going to bring the full force of government to this effort of what we're dealing with right now. And, and, and I said to my kid, I said, I said, you remember when we used to cross the street when you were little and I would go, now imagine this being more like 98 decibels. Hey, <gasps> me yelling at somebody. Cause they almost hit us in the crosswalk. I said, you remember how, how sad magic get when I would do that? Remember how frustrated and scared you'd get? I said, get ready. I'm about to use my crosswalk voice. I'm about to use my crosswalk voice in order to affect some change with my force of government, full force of government approach to what we're dealing with here. That's, that's, that, that, that's what I'm here to tell you. You know, I think you need to do that. Because here's the thing. Here's what I said to my lady friend. I shouldn't be talking about this. I said, we never work angles. We're the opposite of working angles. I've kept my kid in a bad school because I thought it might be helpful socially Like, not socially as in for us, but as in for society, until it just became too much. I mean, I I believe in America. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What I'm saying is, I'm going to go hard as a maraschino on this project, big time, full force of government, crosswalk voice. I think you need to do that. You need to start working some angles on a Sony TV. That seems like a lot lower stakes in my case, nope. doesn't it? No, nope, no, 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 no. This is just a, this is just a kid in high school. Mm-hmm. You're gonna finally get a TV. Well, yeah, okay, you sure. get a TV. Yeah. So, do you think you'd want to bring a crosswalk voice and, and full force of government to this? Would you? Would you want to get on the get on the get on the? uh uh, uh, get on the phone, you know, on the dinger, well, on the probably hoard. not.
1: I think patience is a virtue that I possess when it comes to these things, as
0: evidenced by my past. Yeah, how's How's that, that helped you, John? How's it helped you?
1: It's helped me by Has that your family's life?
0: Your patience, eventually getting what I want. Um, what 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 is it that you want? Yeah, no. actually. So speaking of about, oh, that, we, you don't we play should... with me in this space. It's bad enough that you don't ding Marco for this. Now you're not even playing with yeah, me in this yeah, space. No. Just do, do it once. It. Do it once. Well, I'm the hunted one here, Mike. Mm-hmm. No, 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 what, 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 you, what you say? Yes, right. A
1: guarantee. Okay, sure. Um, what I was going to say is, I feel like we have to make a, we have to call an audible here and do a big jump over everything else here and jump down to my main topic because we're running out of time. This is a regular episode. We do not what? have. extra
0: No, at the end I'm of this. having a good time. I had a nap and I had some fun. I, blew I know. My nose. I
1: just want, I want to give adequate time for Why my main topic. Just,
0: I got okay. If
1: All we right. don't end up talking about it for a while, we can always go back to those other things. Because as you've learned, if it's in a doc, you know it's always fair game. Really.
0: Dot.fm slash rd. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, this is not an episode with extra content. But if you want to hear extra content, or you just want to hear the show without any ads in it, go yeah, go to relay.fm/rd. You can sign up to subscribe to this podcast, give us a little bit of money every month, and every 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 other episode we record has extra content at the end, which is sometimes as long as the actual regular show.
0: Is this your eye topic or your main topic?
1: Um, I'm gonna go to my main
0: topic. Okay. Now stand by. I think listeners, I suspect that listeners know from uh, having heard us talk about it that we have. Yeah, colloquially, we in the in the community <laughs> call it call it a doc. We got a doc. We got we got a Google doc that John and I share. Unlike some other shows where, like with Alex, where for some idiotic reason we have a different doc for every episode, <laughs> which is bananas. I enjoy that, yeah. um, we have one very 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 long document that Daddy trims sometimes, just a little off the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have we have a doc, and so we have sections. This, also, this thing seriously needs some work. It's got a lot of problems. But we got a section on uh, follow up. We got a section where we put links, titles. Um, there's a section called My Eye Topics, where uh, w- w- topics that could be minimized, we'll talk about there. And then we have a section called Topics. Would you do me, please, the service of reading to our audience the top level, uh, number one, uh, the step zero bullet item under Topics right now? What is it?
1: So this is just what I said before. It says John's main topic. This is John's main,
0: main topic. topic. Yeah. That is the extent of what is in the notes right now. So if this is an intervention, you have to let me smell your um, nightstick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can do an intervention over Skype. Hey, you know, amidst these challenging times, now more than ever. Yeah. John's main topic. Uh, digga 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 dig topic. All right, what? You're going to embarrass me, aren't you? You're no. skipping over Stowe. Will you tell me about Stowe later? I know, I know. I, I have to do it because we
1: got to it in. But Just tell
0: me, wire in. Is, is Stowe a thing I should look at? Because it sounds very cool.
1: Uh, maybe. I think next episode, we will, come, we will come back to those follow-up items. Or maybe this episode if we go short, but I don't think we... No, no.
0: Oh, dear. Okay. John, normally, John, we would put something here. Like, what? What are examples? Because uh, if it's in the doc, you know, you can talk about it on the show. More on the future. Our special movies. How to talk to people. Oh, secret weird things people do. Changing your mind about stuff. Politeness, preparation, euphemisms. Let's all our topics. What are you doing? Admiral Akbar? And, um... Uh, what's Why are you revealing patient? all our secrets? Um, get people to join. All right, sure, fine. Main topic.
1: All right, are you ready? No, I'm absolutely <laughs> you, emphatically not you, ready. Are you worried about? I'm having this? such you... a
0: good time talking about your cutie TV in your finish room, and now you're going to go in. You're going to have an intervention. You're going to read a letter about all the ways life harmed you, <laughs> and like, you're going to tell me how to stow it. Why do you stow think it, you? Stow it.
1: It says right there. It says John's main topic it doesn't say Merlin's main topic.
0: Is it going to be about a toe? Is it a toe? It a secret toe? It's not about toe. a toe. Secret toe. Same <laughs> secret weird toes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. All right. Hang on, just quick. All right.
1: I'll give you. I'll give you one chance to guess. You're quitting your job. You nailed it. No. You did it. I, that's why I gave you a chance because no, I whoa, felt whoa, whoa, whoa. it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I beep, felt beep, it beep. in my bones, and I said, you know what? If I oh give John a chance
0: to guess this, he's going to get it. And you did John, it. how did I do that? Okay, no okay. John, John, have we ever met before? Is there anything that I knew about that at all in you any knew way, shape, or form? zero about it. I know less than zero. I know right. that you're going to be the last person to ever quit your job because you're John Syracuse- and you're you're uh you're not mm, conservative you're you, you're a tightwad and how did i do that <laughs> I John? To go that far. well yeah no no you're cheap clues. as hell you're super cheap clues like you can't you can buy a tv i'll buy a tv i'll buy a tv from I'll my for you, demeanor
1: buddy. from how i've been over the past several years
0: maybe you do, you, you've been you haven't muted your laughs as much so either you're getting some or it's going okay or both Oh, You got it,
1: you got it, Merlin. That's that's amazing. Oh my god, I, that, could,
0: that could not have possibly gone better. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm clearing clear um, my calendar. I'm clearing my calendar. Oh. oh my god, John, this is this. I'm almost exciting because who knows? Maybe you have an illness, but it yeah. certainly is interesting. Tell me everything. Okay, so I mean, I guess the first thing I should do is <laughs> I learned
1: this from from this Alex. Is insane. I, from Alex and do by Friday. I, I learned this, and for both of you, I think we need to don't do give the, the internet uh, puzzles. The fact <laughs> item right up front. Uh, do I have a terminal disease? No. As far as okay. I know. Right. Um was I Tope. fired or laid off? No. I quit my job of my Is it because own of max? volition. Right. Okay. Um have I suddenly come into a lot of money that makes it possible for me to quit my job? No. Ooh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like something, income, was something I could benefit. From. <laughs> right. I would like to that can still happen if someone wants to dump a bunch of money in but
0: that did, did not. Did you happen. did I just hear you use the past tense? Uh what past tense? Did you say that you have you you did you say I quit my job? Yeah. So my, my uh, today is you're Tuesday. at liberty right now. No, not yet. Today is
1: Tuesday, March 22nd. We are recording oh this by the time you hear it. It'll okay. be later. My last day at work is Friday the 25th. <sighs> okay. I gave normal two weeks notice. Right. And so okay. I had quit my job a while back. Right. Um, Will, will I have enough money to pay for my life without my main job? I think so. Fingers crossed. Probably. Yes okay uh so i feel like those are the major fact items that people need to hear um or did you did you quit your job because it was a terrible hostile work environment no uh, i like okay. my job you're,
0: you're, was, I, I, you're handling this so much better than alex also your storytelling is better how answer the way you want either how long had you been thinking about this or at what point uh probably without respect to a specific incident unless there was what made you push through to decide to do this was it because I'm guessing this is not something you would undertake lightly. You would certainly, I'm guessing, at least mention it to your wife. What, what? How long had you been thinking about this, and what made if it fits into your storytelling? What made yeah, you? so I've, I've been thinking about it for multiple years, right? And so I, I guess the
1: the I'm going to give like a a brief like, what does my work history look like? Um, I, you know, I I went to high school. I had like jobs in high school. I went to college. I had jobs all through college. Uh, you know, just make money to do stuff. Um, and the last job I got in college, it was, uh, um, it's like my senior year in college. I got a job at this place and they hired me on permanently once I graduated. Right. Um, and I have had a full-time nine to five regular J O B job working for somebody else. I have many, I've had many of them, but I've had that, uh, since then. So I've been working a plain old nine to five job for 25 years, telecommuting for some of that. My first job was a telecommuting job. I've telecommuted at most of my jobs at various times. Uh, on and off. I've also commuted into the office. I've commuted into office in downtown Boston. I've commuted into offices in Cambridge. I've commuted into offices in the in the suburbs of Boston. And I've also worked out at my house. So that's 25 years to just having a regular job. Um, during almost all of that time, I've also been doing something else. That the kids call it a side hustle, right? Um, uh, whether it's contracting programming on top of my regular programming job, like do one off contracting jobs. Um, Eventually it was writing, uh, writing for a blog and then eventually writing for Ars Technica. And then, you know, they, they would pay me for that, obviously. Uh, and then podcasting, podcasting
0: started, let's see what, like maybe, uh, 2010. Yeah.
1: Like 11 or 12 years ago, I started podcasting. You started
0: hypercritical. I want to say, well, it's kind of wild because there was such a, um, anus mirabilis in some ways where like my show with dan your show with dan Marco's show with dan mm-hmm. and others but like the, it was so exciting for me to start that show with dan because i was already a fan such a fan of the show you did and marco did and i started january 8, 2011 so probably 2010 uh, i think it was 2000. you, had, you I think... hadn't done a, you hadn't done a ton of podcast stuff before well
1: yeah i'd actually done a couple little things with dan before hypercritical um uh-huh. just like one-off things like
0: well, that's, how, that's how he got his farm go. team was that uh his big interview show yeah um
1: and i and i was on the thing where we both interviewed gabe what's his name from valve um anyway and and so and during all that time like i've had my regular job and i've had these extra stuff at one point i had my regular job my writing stuff (laughs) my program contract programming stuff and my podcasting all at the same time and of course during that time i also you know got married had multiple children, bought a house uh did all these things you know Mm -hmm. right and the way I've managed, the way I've managed this has been basically what I would do is usually like overextend myself, realize I've overextended myself, and then I would trim back stuff to fit within my life. So like when the kids, when the kids were babies or very young, I had much less time for other things, right? Right. Um, And so I would trim that back. And when I got older, I had a little bit more time. So I'd do more stuff and then I would overextend myself and then try to trim it back or whatever. And over the years, I think I've done a pretty good job of realizing how much capacity I have as a person and adjusting my life to fit. But this show, this very show you're listening to was sized to fit within my
0: life because I wanted to do the show, but Mm -hmm. I knew
1: I had a certain amount of capacity (laughs)
0: left you're very communicative about it. And where you, oh, you've also talked about just for listeners who don't know the, the lyric from the ATP theme, you know, about you not being allowed to do research was to provide a level of constraint that you wouldn't burn out and need to do something else. Yeah,
1: Cause I had just because, burned because out. Cause like, even,
0: even just the Ars Technica review, I mean, we have not always been, sur- I don't think uh, we weren't surpassingly close at the times when you were still writing that mostly, but I could just see like, Oh my God! They just changed the. They just changed the border on this thing. I've got to go redo all of these. Like, well, guess what I'm getting at is, and you're putting it well, but almost everything you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> what was the line from "Being a God" in Central Florida? A jester of boss. Your J O B job, right? Well, they expect you to be there and have your butt in the chair. Well, your kids, they're going to have this minimum amount of effort plus you want to be a hopefully a good husband and partner that does not have a lot of flexibility. Ars Technica is going to need that review done and ready to be an EPUB. You can sell on the first day. Like almost all of the things you're describing had something to it. That wasn't just your thing. You could drop in order to collapse on another part. But with that said, each one of those other things had constant nipping at your heels ability to, to want you to shut down other things. You know what I mean? Like none of those were yielding and all of them were greedy.
1: Yeah, and, and podcast recording, as you well know, podcast recording is easy enough to do, do it. but it's scheduled and it's scheduled with other people. Yeah, and so exactly. it's at a fixed time and it's not like you can, like it's not that easy to just Oh, I can do that anytime I want because you can't. It's
0: like if you, yeah, if, you've you, ever, if you've ever you know wondered how you end up booking three things at once. Well, could you record three podcasts at once? Well, ask that about the rest of your life. But you know, I think it's really admirable because all of those things um, can gobble up into each other. There's no, as I like to remind my wife, there's nobody, there's no series of people having regular meetings about how well you're being managed by the other people
1: yeah. with
0: your time. Those are each separate greedy gobbling piles of time sucking
1: and so when i was doing hypercritical like at that point i was heavy into the ars technica stuff i had my i was heavy into my career at that point really working hard at my job and also you know i was doing podcasting and it was just something had to give and what gave was hypercritical because that I was just a huge amount of work for that show and it was regularly scheduled and it was on top of kids and family and work and house and like just everything else and it just Something I had to give, and so I, I bailed out of that. And then when I started up doing neutral with uh, with Marco and Casey, it was like, "Ah, oh, it's a casual thing; it's not a big deal. We'll just do this or whatever." And then eventually, we, you know, we started talking about tech after the end of neutral recording, and that became ATP, which really was an accidental tech podcast. And, and like you mentioned in the theme song, it's because the discussion we had early on was like, "Okay, you know, we we got John to do a tech podcast with us, but uh, you're not allowed to do any research, John, because we don't want you to burn out like you did on Hypercritical, right?" Like, we don't want you to stop doing the yeah, show. And, not,
0: and just to, to put a, a, you know, dot on the eye, not that we would prefer you not spend a lot of time on this, but you're not allowed to quit this show because it became too much of a time sink. We're exactly, trying to The prevent, whole point uh, was to
1: try to, to, try to fit yeah, it in. And so it's a natural I, like, constraint
0: we're going to build yeah, it in.
1: So, yeah. so like I said, I think over the many years, I've tried to do a good job of when I do overshoot, recognizing it uh, and adjusting to fit things in. But the other thing is, so there's two two things that are in mind, and it would, this would come up, we've talked about an ATP and everything, right? So on ATP, uh, Marco is, uh, ever since he left Tumblr, has been uh, an independent person. He's got a bunch of iOS apps that he's made, and, uh, you know, obviously all the podcasts we do together. Uh, he has lots of, uh, you know, his own independent businesses. And then Casey eventually uh, left his J-O-B job to, uh, you know, and, well, after we'd done ATP for many years. Um, and so I was the only one left who had a job job on top of the things I did. And they would encourage me, oh, I want you, you know, I don't know why you have your regular job, all this other stuff. And I didn't really, you know, argue with them about it or whatever. But one of the things that was always in my mind during that period when, you know, <laughs> during that 25 years when I had a regular job, but was also doing as much as I possibly could on the side <laughs> um, was two, two, you know, joke phrases or two, two common phrases, two idioms, two English language idioms. One was get all the getting's good. You heard that one? hmm uh, And that was basically, look, if you're young and you have the capacity to sacrifice sleep to get this stuff well, it's, done. It's
0: a corollary. It's an important corollary that gets missed a lot. There's this one side that everybody gets, which is like, okay, that's it. My husband cheated on me one too many times, and now I'm getting out of here. Well, uh, somebody could argue that maybe that's a management decision that was made a little later than it could have been. I mean, everybody's got their reasons, but- Getting while the getting's good means that there's a way to do this on terms that will minimize the amount of disruption this causes to everybody. And I, like, you wait for your moment, but also probably you want to be a class act, you know, the way you leave your job, right?
1: Well, the get while the getting's good thing is basically, like, when you are at your maximum earning capacity, when you have the most energy, mm. when you are in the yeah. part of your career where you have the potential to increase your earnings the most, you're up and coming, you're getting promotions, you're doing things, you're you're able to expand the amount of extracurricular stuff you're doing. The more work you put into the things you're doing, the more you get out of it. Get while the getting's good. When you have the capacity mm-hmm. to make more money, that's the time to put the plow, the, the energy into making more money, as long as you can stand it, essentially. And the other phrase that was in my mind uh, another you know phrase from my parents whatever that is uh, that i'm sure you've all heard burning the candle at both ends which mm-hmm. is essentially what i was doing they are both the same thing get while the getting as good as the optimistic side and burning the candle on both ends is the pessimistic side which means unlike a candle you just light it on one end and it burns down you you light it on both ends and it burns in from both sides
0: and it lasts <laughs> so there's lasts. nowhere to hold <laughs> yeah.
1: it lasts uh, <laughs> less time right yeah and i have yeah. felt for many years that i was burning the candle on both ends i mean not just two ends it's three or four ends depending on how you look at it trying to do all the family things that i wanted to do trying to do all the work things and candelabra juggling (laughs) here's here's the thing that i think i mean i'm sure people with jobs understand this but like it very often it seemed if if you like a regular nine-to-five job for me anyway it was like a whole other world with like a complete microcosm, right? Everything that's in in your supposed regular life also exists in the regular job. It's a whole new set of problems, a whole new set of relationships, a whole new set of responsibilities. It's like it, everything that you think you have outside your job, that's in a regular job if you're doing a good job at it. And so mm-hmm. it's just such an this incredible difference, sort of, yeah. even more so than independent stuff, even more so than, oh, I'm doing contract programming or I'm writing articles or I'm doing podcasts those are like miniature worlds, but I feel like a nine to five job, especially for like, if you've had just, I've been, you know, a professional programmer for 25 years, just sort of like the the nine to five bi- big business job type thing at, at any kind of size company, that is a whole universe within itself of just mm-hmm. the job. And it takes so much like mental capacity and like effort to wrangle that even more so than school. It's just, and you know, and it depends. Every company is different, but I just
0: feel and like it'll, it'll, it'll. To quote Hamilton, take and take and take and take. It's, yeah, it's even even at a job where where you're surrounded by people that are doing their best with a good heart. Um, you know, you as forgive me for putting on this hat briefly as a knowledge worker, you also are the only one who's in a position to say, okay, uncle.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing is, when you come home, you can't mm-hmm.
0: very easily leave That's that. That's why it's like behind. severance. You've got two entirely separate families. There's a reason that the right. two major kinds of comedies are are comedies about homes and comedies about workplaces. Like it's it's a whole world.
1: And it for to for the most part, neither one of those worlds cares about the other it exists. It is of all like severance, which is why that show works. Um, when you come home, your parents don't care. Or your parents, your kids don't and, uh, don't care that their parents what work travails they're going through. You got to get dinner on the table. You got to deal with the kids. You got to like, just because
0: you're, you're working. Like if you're in, what I think of as like an EA or some kind of a, you know, grind job where you've got crunch mode stuff, the, no matter how the trash is never going to learn to take itself out. is one way to put it like there's, you're always going to, and again, you say burning the candle at both ends or robbing Peter to pay Paul, all these things get to a similar thing, which is that there is a time and sanity limited amount of exposure to that kind of demand on a person that you can tolerate. I mean, in your case, like, you you know, you manage stuff very well. You're the, I would never tell you this publicly, but you are the easiest to work with person in my life. You're utterly dependable. You're always on time. You are communicative. Um, and, and you're a good friend, um, all those things, but it's, Every single one of those things, understandably, a baby doesn't know it's crying is bothering you. It just knows that there's a big world out there that it doesn't understand. And the take and take and take part is that nobody, I mean, there aren't that many people. If you're pulling it off, you know, if the mask doesn't slip, there's not that many people in most JOB jobs. They're going to come in and go like, hey, how's your work-life balance i hate that term but you know what i mean it's like it's all of that is going to be on you i mean they try to
1: but like part of doing a good job at a job is you can't really bring your family life into the job like yeah no absolutely if you have, not if you have a good boss they you should just fail, um, you just the,
0: accidentally failed the test
1: yeah they should be understanding of those issues but it really has to be like compartmentalized to to varying degrees um so anyway, so that's what I've been doing for, let's say, 25 years is a
0: long time. That's five years longer than my ex was in the air force and <laughs> she
1: retired at 40. Yeah, I know. Um, and so I've been thinking about this for many years. Most of so the get, the get, the the getting is good thing is part of that is putting a lot of effort into both parts of my career, the nine to five job and the other stuff. Uh, and by doing that, like I've been podcasting for like a dozen years, uh, i've built up at this point like i mostly stopped the writing stuff or whatever i don't do contract programming um it j- it's just been doing the podcasting stuff and i've mm-hmm. built that stuff up to a point where i can support myself on podcasting and it's been like that for a little while now but i've continued my regular job job because that's the get while the getting is good philosophy right and i think where things started to change was you know you get older <laughs> you get more tired mm-hmm. um you start to think about a thing that i think uh everyone thinks about i mean it's not i don't know if you call it a a midlife crisis or whatever but like you know you're you're working hard you're building up this you know you're working on your career you're getting promoted you're you know succeeding in all these things you're putting money into your podcasts and your other things like that and those are you know going well what are you working towards like when do you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor or is it just labor 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 and then you die right right um at some point you know you're saving all this money you're going to Someday do all these great things, but you can't do it now because <laughs> you're too busy working.
0: <laughs> this is things you've learned from this television journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, anyway. I'm, so, I'm I'm only half no, kidding. I'm waiting for the product that's worthy of my purchasing it to exist. No, but I'm just, but I am saying like the joke I've been making with you for two years, at least is like, you're going to die before the TV well, one comes out.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, but
0: that's, I, that's, that's not up to yeah. me. That's up to the TV manufacturer. I think that is a very, that is an, ex- I just also want to say in passing, I'm not a huge fan of the phrase midlife crisis. I think a reframe of midlife crisis, and I think that's such an unfortunate way to put that. Sure, there are guys in 70s TV shows and movies Mm. that go buy a Ferrari and a wig, but is it also possible that what other people might choose to look at as a crisis, you didn't develop either the resources or wisdom to realize needed to change until you were in midlife? What if it's not a crisis? What if it's a crisis tunity?
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, or like, it's not like I didn't know
0: this intellectually, but as I got older, you know what i mean? No, like... like- I don't think we always have to look at that as like a meltdown. Sometimes it's just that like, you don't have the ears to hear your own good advice in life until something changes. And sometimes that is, you know what? I don't have boundless energy. I can't work 60 hour weeks every week. I, I mean, this is something I've been talking about with Alex, this energy project idea of like, I need to become less apologetic about needing- downtime to refill the various emotional coffers in my life. And I often feel the need to apologize for that. Although I still do, which shows you I haven't reached it yet, but it doesn't have to be a crisis. It's just, it's just being human and realizing that like, you know, you're, you're, I don't like to say this, but you got a kid who's going to like probably be leaving home at at a certain point and another one, not long after that. And it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to wait until like you have bad knees to do anything.
1: Yeah. And, and like I said, this is something I knew intellectually, but uh, the intellectual thing was like, at a certain point, you're going to reach an age where things will start shifting and I getting to that age. Right. And so like my also what more precipitated this. Right. So I've been thinking yeah. about it for multiple years. I mean, as they say in the business, because I can't get out of business because I have had a JLP job for 25 years. I've been socializing the idea with my wife for many years now. What do you think about this? What do you mm-hmm. What do you think about this idea? whatever and like how would you feel about this what are what are the you know what are the things that you worry about what are the things that i worry about is this thing that we <laughs> as can as actually... you
0: can find a way to be out of the house during the day
1: <laughs> yeah is, is this thing that we could do let's look at our finances let's look at yes. all the things and we talk about it on an office as a as a potential future conceptual thing um it started to come for to a head i, just, I wish i had kept better records it started to come to a head at some point but this was right before covid <laughs> right and so that kind of put a monkey wrench into everything and in a time of uncertainty like like maybe shelve that i think i had already shelved it even before COVID. i don't remember the dates but like but but, but two years ago this was it was still
0: in the realm of the speculative it, I,
1: I had a date certain set before covid when i was oh, like that's no. gonna be the end of it right i had no idea and that obviously didn't work out and it's like you know yeah. it, it, and, it and it's like well we thought better of it like change of plans but then the idea didn't go away and part mm-hmm. of what made the idea not go away is like I mean, obviously, the things I talked about of like you know, well, at a certain point you got to rejigger your priorities, and what are you working, what what are you putting all this, why are you what are you burning the candle on both ends for? Think about that. But the second thing was, um, and this has been happening, this has always been happening, but it started to feel worse. The thing that would happen would be. Uh, an opportunity would present itself to me that didn't fit within my life because I'm at capacity. And I felt like I've been at capacity for many, many, many years now. And so opportunities would present themselves. And if I'm at capacity, my choices are ditch something that I'm currently doing to f- make room for this new thing or turn down this new thing, whether it is an idea of my own making um, or a- an external opportunity. To give an example, I wanted to i have always wanted to be a Mac developer. I always wanted to make Mac apps. So that opportunity, I've always just been rejecting because it's like I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to learn Mac programming. I don't have time to.
0: And you, know. you arguably don't really even have time to fully think it through. You don't have contiguous hours and days to turn something over in a relaxed and ruminative way if you're busy keeping all the candles lit at both ends. Yeah, and so and for years, I mean, I, 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 just I been do like, think that matters. I mean, if you if, you're not as anxious as I am, well, you're anxious. You're differently anxious than I am, but like. To anybody who has any anxiety, it can be hard to get enough metaphysical distance from the combination of what is happening in your life and what you're feeling. It's hard to feel like you have wholesomeness and integrity because you're so busy dashing to the next thing.
1: And so what I would have always done was be like, all right, well. That's the thing you might want to do, but you're at capacity now and mm-hmm. you don't want, you're not probably not going to make any money at it, especially if you're just learning at it. So it seems like just a fanciful hobby. So it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not going to kick anything out for this. But then at a certain point, I got sick of that. And what was it like a year or two ago? I decided, I'm just, when I got my new Mac Pro 2019 ish, I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try making some dinky little apps um, <laughs> mm-hmm. like because whatever, like it just it's running, it's I got running on one, my computer right now one that my friend mm-hmm. helped me, you know, ground, one, you know, get off the ground. And then I wrote a second one all by my lonesome. Uh, and one of the lessons that taught me is, yeah, you really are at capacity because when I added that dinky little thing, two dinky little apps to, you know, which you can buy in the app store, go to hypercritical.co and click on apps and buy them both. They're great. Anyway, two dinky little apps that no one cares about that put me over capacity for the month and a half or two months that I spent doing the main development work on that. And that just showed me how close to the line that and COVID showed me how close to my capacity I really am. Like I really have filled every nook and cranny of my life with the amount of stuff that I'm able to do that even just doing those two dinky little apps, which granted I talked about on my podcast and they, you know, they fed into the other things that I was doing their synergy there or whatever. And they didn't take that long to make. It wasn't that big a deal. But that showed me, like, even when you try to do one extra little thing,
0: mm-hmm. it screws
1: everything over and just things come bursting out of the seams.
0: Well, and, and, like, to to further to that, though, it's, you know, it's like the thing, um, whoever said that, uh, maybe Douglas Adams, but about, you know, deadlines in the selling they make when wishing by, like, or no, it's Hofstetter's Law. That's the one where everything takes longer than you think, mm-hmm. even if you account for Hofstetter's Law. Um, but that is absolutely true. And with a project like that, I mean, you're, it's at certain points in a project like that, it's hard to know what's the map and what's the territory you can start to feel like a, a little bit bonkers about it.
1: Yeah. And so that started to feel bad. So you've been sitting on this for two years as a well, serious at least, consideration. And, I mean, more than that, like it's been sitting on it more. Like I said, I had a date certain that it was probably two years ago, but I've been thinking about it even longer than that. And and what started to feel worse is like turning down opportunities, rejecting myself, rejecting my own ideas, rejecting external opportunities to say, no, no, can't do it, can't do it. I'm all filled. And, and don't get me wrong. Everything that I was doing, including my J-O-B job, were things for the most part that, I was doing because they are the things that are the best mix of things i enjoy and things that make me enough money to live right Mm -hmm. yes but there were other things that i felt like well maybe i would enjoy this a little bit more than some existing thing but that has no prospects of making money but maybe it does but i don't have room to try that experiment and just being a capacity just felt lousy and i was just i was i felt like i had got while the getting was good (laughs) And I had burned the candle at both ends, and soon the two flames were going to meet in the middle, and I was going to disappear into a puff of smoke. <laughs> ow, 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 and then, ow. <laughs> and then on top of that, I feel like and I feel like this is true of a lot of people. I feel like 2021 was the worst year of my life. No contest. And I'm sure this is a true of a lot of people. It's not unique. It's largely a testament to how easy my life has been up to that point. Granted, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. What what is it? I was going to say uh, chicken sound. I was going to say cow chicken sound. Problem. Sorry, yeah, yeah. chicken, whatever. Uh, but still that the fact remains and so i was like look are you going to do this or you're not going to do it and so eventually i decided we we had many many more conversations about this over many many months and eventually you know things aligned to the point where we picked a date where it was going to happen and got everything lined up and did it and so now i am as very soon as of this friday i will be self-employed and hoping that is not uh disastrous um and I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's not like my actually asking, are you excited or whatever? It's like, well, you know, it's mm. mostly anxiety. I feel not really that much excitement. I Like a lot of people ask, what are your plans? What are you going to do? Like, I don't know yet. There are a bunch of things that I have in mind. God, I hope
0: you just, I hope you'll just chill for a while.
1: Yeah. But there are things that I have, like, I, that's not in my nature. it doesn't I'm, mean you have I, to
0: do nothing, but like you should give yourself, I mean, you didn't ask, but like. I would use that opportunity to give yourself some runway. Maybe work on one new thing you're excited about, but not feel the need to immediately restuff your life with half lit candles.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that is definitely my instinct is to restuff my life with all <laughs> the, all the things that I had been pushing away for all these years. They're all sitting there waiting, saying, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? No, but why don't you, you, try don't, this? you
0: don't want to become, you don't want to become bitter about it. That would suck. Yeah, it I know, would defeat but the so... purpose. You know, you'll, you'll become bitter. That's how you are. <laughs> but like you need, you, I mean, Like you should give yourself a little, there's a phrase, somebody, I forget where I read this, but this particular phrasing really stuck with me. Sometimes in life, you have to repot yourself. I love the idea of that. Like, what is it when you repot a plant? Well, you realize sometimes a little too late, later than you'd like, that the roots, the volume of of root that this plant wants exceeds its available space right now, right? So you repot it. What does that mean? It means you take it out and you very carefully put it into a new pot. Now someday you might need to repot it again, but when you're repotting yourself, why not just take some time to, to soak up all that lovely, all those nutrients in that lovely water. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying you have to go sit in a hammock and Tim Ferriss it, but like you, uh, but like I, I, I would say the impulse to jump into becoming extremely busy quickly is if it's for a while, you're allowed, but But, you know, having a little bit of time to go easy and maybe even make it like, my again, you didn't ask. But if it were me, I would think, well, two days a week. And this is why we differ on the uh, definition of vacation. Because vacation for me doesn't have anything to do with where I went and whether my family was involved. My idea of vacation is that I've mindfully and very purposefully affirmatively limited the amount of access other people are able to have on claiming my time and attention. And like, for me though, like my idea of a vacation or like my idea of not a vacation, I'm not trying to say that's what you're doing here, but like if, if it were me, I would say, Hey, two days a week, I'm going to work on this Mac app. I've always wanted to make. And then the other times I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll figure it out. But, but the, the day, the day based or half day based model is maybe might be, you could choose to pick up a new sort of, I don't want to say exercise, but activity regimen. Like you could develop. When I say a hobby, I just mean something you hadn't found time to love doing. Right? It's like you, you, your coffers need to be refilled too. You should, if I could say, as your hopefully your pal, um, you owe that to yourself.
1: Well, that's speaking of that, like that that's at the level I'm at is that I've been burning the candle at both ends, that some of the things that I've been sacrificing to be at this capacity are basic things like health, (laughs) like that. I don't live I don't take look, care it, look of at myself your December. as December. Look say. at your
0: December to remember with your with your toes in your freezer. I, not that stuff. I'm just saying like no, no, I don't no, get but enough I mean, like, exercise. You're no, you serious I don't eat you, right, you, you know. Yeah. yeah
1: and you that know type what? of thing that I look and that's another thing. I look at other people in my life who are, are similar ages or younger. And as you get older, eventually you come to some sort of point where you're like, I should start taking care of myself. And I've known that for like a decade and I haven't been doing it because that's one of the things that's been sacrificed on the altar of burning the candle at both ends was I'm not going to take care of my health. Right. And that's not great. I'm blessed with good genetics and I don't have any particular health problems, but you can't continue like that forever. It would be a good idea for me to put a non-zero amount of effort.
0: It works fine until the day it doesn't work anymore and then it's too late.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I've already been through healthcare with the RSI stuff. So I do take care of myself in that regard. But as you get older, you need to do more than that. Um and I'm well past that
0: age. And so it's a good time to start building new new habits and practices. I know it's considered unfashionable to not hate getting older, <laughs> but um but that's I do think it's it's sensible not uh, yeah, <laughs> to get your mind right about getting older, but also to start developing a new set of to habituate yourself to a new way of living that is likely to be more healthy than unhealthy the recapturing your youth does not mean getting wasted all the time it means being able to like have a regular bowel movement and sleep like a person
1: or to be alive when my children grow to be adults right (laughs) that's a nice to have you want to be able to see that Uh, you kind of have to do stuff to make that happen it's not just going to happen magically right like just correct so and, and and the thing is, like, uh, we we had an, a question at ATP, like, a couple months ago that was, like, uh, and it's totally unprompted. I didn't even pick this for the show. I think Casey picked it or something. It was, like, uh, John has a full-time job, and he does these podcasts, and he's got a family, and he watches all these TV shows, and he, you know, makes these Mac apps, and he, and he does all these things. Uh, how does he find time to do it? And I gave the answer in the show, which was the truth. It was, like, I, you know, I, I filled my life to capacity. To the The time that I find to do fun things, like watch TV shows, I do it by sacrificing sleep. I do it when the rest of my family is asleep, right? And I mm-hmm. shouldn't be asleep. And that's how I get that done. And that's, you know, that, that was the answer, but it's not a great answer. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not an answer that, uh, that you know, like I said, uh, when that question was asked, I had in the back of my mind that, I, you know, this plan of getting rid of my job. But it was like, I said, don't do this. This is not the way that you should live your life. It's not the way I should live my life either. And I eventually, you know, did something about that. But even at that point, that question, it was totally in my mind that like, sure, you no. Know, This this is very relevant to uh, upcoming events, and I will try to help us out. And the repotting thing that you mentioned before, getting back to that, I think that very much like my my extracurricular activities were Mm -hmm. a 25 year long effort to repot myself to the point where I can do my non J.O.B. job as a way to make enough money to pay for my life and
0: say more about that you mean you mean in terms of in terms of life front and center and things like that
1: so you know, because i am as conservative as you noted like you know careful risk averse right yes uh, then mm-hmm. i you know i had my regular steady job i even between my jobs cause i've had like four or five or six jobs or whatever i never even took a day off between them i'd leave one job i'd start the next job the next day right it was just always i always had a job um <laughs> you're like a heart attack machine because
0: <laughs> because you like because how do you,
1: add, you got to make sure that income keeps going. Like
0: Well, and you've got, uh, John, I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm not. We have different demon dogs, different breeds. You have you have a, a demon dog shaped demon dog and mine are more, you know, amorphous. But like, there is that kind of like, I'm going to make a noise that, that, that is what this feels like. Ha, 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 ha right? That's sort yeah. of like, oh my God, that job ended. This one started. I got to go show my worth here. I've got, to, you know what I mean? I've got to excel. Well,
1: I got to keep income. I got a mortgage to pay for. I got bills. Yes. I got like, yes, if, yes, you, yes. if the income stops, then the savings start to drain. All those, and... all those
0: yogurt cups in your daughter's room, they aren't free. Yeah.
1: So <sighs> th- that's always been in my mind, but it's like, uh, you know, if I want to, and, and here's the thing, as you know, mm-hmm. with the sort of community and the circles that I run in, almost everyone I come in contact with is somebody who it has in some way done the independent life earlier, better, or more than I have. We all know, like you, just to think of you. I was, thinking, was talking to my wife about this before we were going to do the show. Is like Merlin made this transition already. At one point, he had the JOB job, right? Mm-hmm. Now yeah. he doesn't. At some point, you made that transition. Some point, not and I today, found myself
0: but- making that noise a lot in two thousand one and two thousand two right. <laughs> of like, oh my god, the the the. But like, I've been working except so last the last job with an office that I went to, and this is not a flex; it's just the truth. Is like that job at the with Dave, the marketing guy that I got fired from in nineteen ninety five, and then I was at a dot com for I don't know more than a year, less than two years. And apart from that, it's been like, you know, trying to figure out whatever this thing is. It's the ultimate kind of knowledge work in some ways. If if we take Drucker's definition of knowledge work it's not just doing the work, it's deciding what the work is. A lot of people forget that part. Um, yeah yeah all along but i mean it's uh, now i'm unemployable i couldn't i'm like marco could you imagine me sitting in a meeting can you even imagine that
1: yeah that's what i'm saying marco I Casey, mean, recently done that marco, at a, marco would be insufferable than yeah, i did right. you know gruber like just you yes know, all so many of the people i know have found a way to make a life for themselves doing a thing you know, being self-employed doing something that's their own gig that they managed to do on their own and uh, various ones of them have made much bigger sacrifices than I have. when Gruber was just getting Darren Fireball off the ground, just stuffing t-shirts into envelopes with a kid on the mm-hmm. way, not knowing he was gonna be able to pay his bills. I yeah, never like should, was in a I situation go back to like, like
0: writing that. Documentation.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was never yeah. in a situation like that because I was always be like, well I would never put myself in that situation. I'm always gonna make sure I have my J O B job and I'll do as much as I can with my other
0: stuff. Did that just give you the shakes to think about that at a certain point? I mean was I mean put it in your words, but was there have there been points where you're like, oh, I don't think so. Like I as much as this this 20x years of doing what I do, like, w- was, but there's been reluctance along the way of, like, I can't imagine getting off this particular merry-go-round because, I don't know, that would just be too, feel too risky.
1: I mean, I never really considered it because it was always like, you have to have your regular job. And I would get panicky between regular jobs because sometimes I would get laid off from my regular job and then you're kind of mm-hmm. scrambling to get a new one, right? Sure. And then the yeah. other stuff was like, I'm, you know, figuring out what other things I might be able to do as an independent person and working <laughs> on those as much as I possibly could, but never at the cost of my regular job, job, right? Finding out which ones I like, which ones paid more, which ones are more sustainable. Um, and I think feel like you've done similar things where you've had various mini careers within your independent life of what what is the thing that you're actually doing besides being a ceramicist. Um, mm-hmm. And that has changed over the years based on which things you enjoy which things can make you more money so on and so forth and I've been doing the same thing but during that whole which, time which,
0: which thing I mean in almost every instance it I'd like to think that it started with hey here's what I'd be great at but like I mean this is I think this is true for everybody I mean you take your jobo oh, and you have your guidance counselor and you get your idea of like I want to be a ceramicist or a veterinarian or whatever and then I think an it's not bad but an odd part of young adulthood is realizing and accepting that there's there's some things people are willing to give you money to do and a bunch of things people aren't willing, but then there's also some things that people will give you a little bit of money to do. And oh that's interesting. And like maybe that turns into this thing. And you know what I mean? Like the the way that I ended up doing project management was because I'd had to pick up. I'm not good at it, but like I picked up a little project management when I was a web master or whatever. And the webmaster part uh, beyond being able to just type in BB edit, like each thing has an influence on what comes next. And just to go back to some very old 43 folders ideas, most of the people I know from college don't have jobs that existed before we were in college, let alone before we were born. And I can't in the in the 30 years since, can you imagine how much that's changed since then? Right? I mean, you you have to just to survive and I bet this must be true. I don't know. If it, I don't know enough to say, and you'll make fun of me. But like, learning, like, like should I should I just really, you know, as they say, double down on assembler, or should I pick up some Pearl, or should I learn Rails, or any? That's just one implementation aspect, you know, because it's just a computer trade. But but you know what I mean? Like, if you're not keeping your eyes open, what does Dylan say? You know, he's not busy being born; is busy dying. You you have to keep looking beyond the end of your nose. In the same way that right now, God love you all, I look. I have to look beyond podcast advertising right now. That seemed like such a guaranteed way to be able to produce these shows. So what does that mean? What's that fork in the road? I don't know. Do I figure out a way to try and make money that's not ads because that's not what it used to be? Or, and or, do I figure out, is there something I could be doing that's adjacent to this and I just haven't realized it yet in the same way I didn't realize I was learning project management when I thought I was a webmaster? It's it's very difficult because you are in some ways building the highway as you're driving down it at 50 miles an hour. But right now you have an opportunity to drive down, you know, at your own pace and decide whether you even want to build a highway. Which is, I mean, this is a nice opportunity. I don't want you to give you pressure about this, but that's a nice kind of juncture to be at.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned, like I've been doing the same thing in my regular job, like, because there is my regular job, it has changed over the course of all these years. The technologies, what do I have to learn? What do I have to know to be employable? What uh-huh. new things should I learn to be able to get that next new job? Uh, should I go into management? You know, what kind of job do I want? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, the conversations used to have, you know, as when I was in college or whatever, with like, what our future careers might be like, you know, for the other people who are going to be in software and, I I distinctly remember the topic coming up of like, you know, so you're going to be a software developer, you're going to write code. And I remember saying this to somebody and I think about it all the time. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't
0: know if I'll still be writing code, when I'm 40. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With 40 (laughs) being the arbitrary arbitrary, two-digit number you pulled out of the air that represents antiquity to you.
1: Yeah, or that, like, yes, yeah, so coding is a young person's game. But when you're 40, you're so old. How would you even know how to tell a computer what I'm to- mowing my lawn and drinking my wife's lemonade yeah like 40 but and the whole idea was that coding was like a menial task and like by the time you're 40 you'd be a titan of industry and you wouldn't have oh, you to be an important salary man more. yeah yeah you'd be you'd be you'd be the boss you'd be the big manager you'd be the cto you'd be the ceo right i don't think i'll still be coding when i'm 40 because it seemed like you'd be unhirable a 40 year old programmer who would
0: hire them Beep, boop i made a golf game <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Instabug. You can learn more about Instabug right now by visiting try.instabug.com/diffs. Now, I'm I'm not going to tell you anything that, that you don't already know. If you're out there and you're 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 making apps, you know, it presents some challenges. You know, I'm making mobile apps it's it's a lot of work, and you know you get bugs and crashes and performance issues. It can just be a nightmare for you developer types to deal with. But what if you could not only detect all of these issues, but you could also get a holistic understanding of the quality of your app from your user's point of view? Well, well don't make this question rhetorical. Make it real, as we like to say. You're going to get yourself some Instabug, right? Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights you need to build top-quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback. And that's all in one SDK. With Instabug, you can continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users. You can empower your users to report issues and ask questions seamlessly right from inside your app. And you're going to get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, and other issues. And you're going to get them fixed in record time with a focus on privacy and security. I I love that. And you know, you don't got to worry about the hassle of switching to a new tool. We'll pump the brakes. It only takes a few minutes to integrate Instabug into your app, and then that will fit right into your existing workflow. It has support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, and over 10 other popular tools. That, that If you're being honest, that, that is a lot of tools. And, and you could probably use the help. Nobody likes crashes and bugs. You got to go get the Instabug. So right now, please join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who use instabug to ship high quality apps find out more right now you go to try.instabug.com diffs that's d-i-f-f-s try.instabug.com slash diffs uh you know and, and and go fix some bugs you know it's got an sdk just go our thanks to instabug for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay fm So,
1: and, you know, and obviously that uh, I was was still coding when I was 40 and I am still coding when I'm 47. <laughs> so that worked You're out coded for life. Differently. <laughs> <laughs> differently than I expected. But yeah, there was a lot of lot of stress about like, uh, you know, during my regular job, like am I doing the right things to go to the next step in my regular job? And, you know, just as much in the other side, except the regular job was like, well, that's what you need to eat. And the other stuff is like, can I build this up to the point where it is viable? And I've tried lots of different things, done lots of different things there and continue to do various different things there to try to diversify i'm you know i'm lucky enough to uh be married and my wife has also had a full-time job during this whole time so we have diversification by people as well whereas i'm her backup she's my backup right, right? at various times sometimes we use my health care sometimes she's her health care mm-hmm. yeah um obviously now we'll be using hers because i won't have any mm-hmm. um but it works out well because <laughs> they she, call it her, cobra
0: because it bites <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her her healthcare is better than mine right now. Anyway. Oh but it, but, well, my just just uh, necessarily prima facie, uh, my wife's is better because she has it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't but, know how people it, do it on it, their own. I don't know we how both my had mom it, did like, it. I just don't. Yeah, know.
1: it's she's been at uh, at a single job for her whole career. So, and it's actually a pretty good job, and hopefully she'll keep it. Um, and yeah. her healthcare is way better than uh, than mine or any other one you're likely to get. <laughs> That's ironic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, is, well, mm. <laughs> I know. Uh, my healthcare has gone downhill in my company. My company's had problems over the years, or whatever. So, they won't let you keep company. your chair. <laughs> and, yeah, and by the way, my th- this job that I uh, that I'm leaving is the job that I was in the longest. I was oh, there for a okay. thirteen years. I, th- I thought years. you were about to
0: do the big reveal. I thought you were going to let us know the true origin, the actual uh, like we what do we used to say about Simpson that he works at the paper company. You'll tell people someday, right? Did you work for NASA? um oh, you can look it up but no one cares it's it
1: not, it's no 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 no, ex- no no no, don't give the end in- no no it's not an exciting it's not an exciting place um well, i mean it, it is but it's like it's not it's not any place you've heard over you care about it don't worry i've it. It never worked That's at how apple I like or it. google don't or, just you
0: know. don't yeah yeah yeah
1: whatever anyway i won't work there much longer so by the time you hear this
0: i'm not there anymore so don't worry about it and what's uh what's her as much as you want to say or share a little bit like in in so the discussions you've had over the years um she, what's her feeling about it? Like, honestly, like like deep dive. What's her feeling about any part of this? Like, is she feeling good about this? Is there anything she would like you or not like you to do? What is her, put, let me put this a better way, if, if you choose to answer this. Um, does this answer any questions for her? Does this help her? Are there things where she looks forward to this because of X or she wants to be careful about this because of Y? You know what I mean? Is there, what's her, What's her feeling on the next chapter?
1: She's always been more anxious about this as, as than I am and I'm already pretty anxious wow, about it. Wow, that's saying something. Yeah. And that continues to this day cuz she's okay. like she wouldn't even entertain this idea. You better be on your best behavior, buddy. For This for is a not long the time, time to because, start an affair, just FYI. Because yeah, because it was basically like <laughs> uh we can't rely on that other stuff that you do. That could go away any second. That's and you know, the history of that is there's been a lot of churn in the various things that I've tried to do to make money besides my regular job. Some of them have not gone well, right? You know? Yeah. Some of them didn't go anywhere. Uh but I mean, some I, of them I did, always right? think
0: of you as being like uh, a recent example. I think of you as like the character, um oh, the actor that I love, uh from Footlights, Stephen, you know, from QI. Stephen Stephen Fry. Like the role that Stephen Fry plays, the the tragic fi- figure he plays in the dropout. We're like, you know, there's so many people that are working for Theranos. And the whole time, now, knowing what I know now, people are like, oh, I'm going to lose my job. it's like, yeah, but every single one of those people, they're like basically working on the campus of Stanford and have immediately applicable skills at probably three different buildings that are in their sightline, line, right? I mean, if, if you needed to pick something up, you could. I mean, I could be a busboy again, too, I suppose. But like, you know, the, all along, though, your personality aside, you've had the kind of skills that companies find desirable, yes? Eh, some
1: ways yes, in some ways not so really? much. Really? Like, okay. My, you know. I always assumed my,
0: you were pretty desirable.
1: Yeah, but like my specific technology skills are just like with old, creaky technologies that no one cares about anymore, and I'm yeah, old now. Myself. Luckily, there's no companies that need help with
0: stuff like that.
1: Yeah, but it's, I don't know, like, that's another thing that I'm like, was it has been a big source of stress for my entire career is Mm -hmm. how how do I make sure the next regular J.O.B. job that I have now that my company that I was working for went under or laid me off or whatever, how do I make sure the next job is not a downgrade from my current job? How do I find somebody
0: who is willing to pay me what I want to be able to make? Just like with Stephen Fry, when Sonny makes him go sit at the desk and he just listens to opera all day and then he drinks too much and no spoilers. You don't yeah, want that. So, don't do that. So yeah, my, my wife she's, is, she's okay is- She's okay for now with it
1: so far? I mean, she's still she's, she's still nervous about it. We're both nervous about it, we're both anxious about it because the whole idea is like, oh, that stuff could go away at any second. But of course, a regular job can go away at any second as well. It just feels different, right? We're both oh, very- abso-
0: No, it's a, a thousand percent. It's one of those like, if if you're, the, 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 the way the human perception works is so strange and I am patient zero for this, is like, you know, I've described, I think I've said this here before, where I think of my anxieties as being almost like a box of Kleenex, where you take one, well, we talked about this, I think, in in December, January, but like you take one Kleenex off the top, and there's another one waiting for you right there until the box is empty, but don't worry, you have a whole closet full of anxiety Kleenex that are ready to be tugged out one at a time. You don't ever get rid of it, you just get a newer or slightly different one. That's the way an anxious mind works, but you're right, but the problem is for somebody like me, who is also risk-averse, the desire the desire to avoid that pain or even to minimize the stress of having to make a decision, uh, just trying to push that feeling away is not necessarily going to make you better off. I mean, the, Jesus, why do I always talk about World War II? There's a lot of people who left Europe in 1939, and I think in 1940, they were really glad they left Europe in 1939. That Without putting too fine a point on it, because it's a dumb analogy, you know, there are times to get when the getting's good, and even if you got while the gotten was got, you that does not absolve you from needing to to deal with stuff on going forward. It's one reason I I, I've turned off so many notifications. I've turned off whether that's on HomeKit, whether that's on things like for the anxious person, and this is in the document. For the anxious person, it feels like you need constant updates on the latest information. You need a constant, an anxious person, I'll speak for myself, an anxious person like me feels like I need constant updates that ensure me I have complete information that is up to date. Otherwise, my mind starts racing. So what do I do? I get more information. And then what does that do? Well, I'm here to tell you at age 55, my midlife crisis, what I figured out new information is not making me happier. It's not helping me make better decisions. If all I'm doing is trying to collect new information with a design toward feeling less anxious, guess what? It does the opposite of that. And, and on top of it, the the cherry on top of all that is it still does not absolve you from having to be forward-looking and to have, you know, a plan A, B, C, and D for whatever happens. It's just you can decide at a certain point in life whether that needs to always be such an anxious 24-7 enterprise for you, or whether you can find a way to pump the brakes, cool your jets, do the things that are going to help you get to where you can make a more level-headed and sound decision that covers the things you think you know about, as well as the innumerable things you can never know. And there's not there's no piece of advice that makes that easy or simple. It's something we all have to do. It, not doing it is an option, but believe me, you think you don't like the way you are now, you're really not going to like it when you just decide to stick your fingers in ear and go, la, la, la. Like that's, that's not, you know what I mean? That's, that's not the way to get through it. It's just that now you do have a little bit of runway. Maybe you can help more around the house. You can finally fix that freezer out in the garage you've been meaning to fix. But, you know, it's it's neat that you guys get to work on this together. You know, and, you know, you have, I've mentioned some things to you where we're, you know, got some things going on here. And a thing I said to, to both of them, but especially to my wife, is you have to remember where you are. And you have to remember that you cannot clap out of having problems in life. What you can do is try to handle whatever comes next in a way that is, you know, responsible, assertive, but maybe sometimes fun. And if there's a thing that sometimes feels like it's a little bit of a thorn on our side with, you know, our, our, our kid's life, well, guess what? That's an opportunity for our whole family to get closer because our kid is not going to live at home forever. How many more years do we have of our kid even needing us? And like, that is a, that is a, that's a mitzvah. That we get to participate. As long as I'm going Yiddish, it's a mitzvah about the mishigas. Like we get to participate in that. And instead of being sad and and anxious and hoping we never, our kid never has a problem. How about instead we, if there is something we got to deal with, we face it head on, in as much as we can, as a family. Like that's a that that can be a neat project. There's a one of the reasons people stay married for a long time if they don't kill each other is that they find a way. Whether that's, you know, making a new deck or trying to get a kid into college or whatever, like, I don't know, maybe I'm being pie in the sky, but I, I one way in which I am optimistic and hopefully not simply magical in my thinking is that those little projects become some of the most enduring, load-bearing walls in your family. So this is a time for, if I could say, you didn't ask for the fifth time, you know, this is also a chance for you and your lady to to, to get closer about whatever it is you'd like to be doing as a group project. And part of what we talked about to sort of, again,
1: socializing the idea within the family, talking through the possibilities, running the numbers, whatever you want to talk over the course of months and years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, was to know that we're both risk averse and anxious about this and to sort of lay out like, uh I mean, kind of the sort of the exact same things we don't do for COVID in this country, which is like. Uh, under Learn. what circumstances, <laughs> you know, uh, under what circumstances would uh, you do X? Under what circumstances would you do Y? You know what I mean? Like talk about, you know, it, and I in like, what's looking the, at the worst? What's
0: the actual? What is the actual risk matrix, rather than rather than what I reckon?
1: Right, or, or like to, for to give an example, uh, let's say my income suddenly drops to zero because a calamity happens, and podcasts are no longer possible because the earth score stops spinning or whatever. You get late like, onset you know.
0: super RSI.
1: Yeah, what happens then? Mm -hmm. right that's obviously a ridiculous calamity but hey it can happen right yeah and then everything from there that worst case scenario up to more and more likely things and saying if x happened what would we do we would do y you know like Mm -hmm. and laying out a plan what is your one-year plan your five-year plan your 10-year plan like what is your goal and then if you you know over the course of trying to get to your goal if these calamities happen what will be our reaction to it and laying out a series of you know a sort of a branching decision tree that more or less covers the cases and and in that thing you'll say what do we need to do before that what do we make sure we need
0: to have you know set up in terms of uh, our finances right so so like you you start with you might not um not say start with but like you you may begin with the end in mind about a particular pie in the sky or pie on the table type thing that you want to be dealing with. But then the word I would use for that is then you, then you start building out the infrastructure for getting there. Where like, even if like, if you've got a little bit of scaffolding and you fall down, you're going to be better off than if you had no scaffolding at all. You can't prevent all accidents or calamities from happening. You can't prevent the force majeure that is life. But like the fact that you've had that conversation is going to stand you in better stead than having never discussed it at all.
1: And not just had a single conversation, but talked it, talked it over and talked it over and talked. It. Again, this is a multi-year process to make this right, uh, right, right. even a thing that we're entertaining seriously as opposed to just musing about. It. And then it gets more and more intense as the time approaches, right? We didn't get super intense about it when we had the date certain years ago because because I feel like COVID came and like said, well our date's starting for two months from now, we both just look at each other and say, "Forget, like you did with the Spring Disneyland break. thing. Exactly, it's like, right. It's, yes, it's like, exactly. You don't I need to Change, have that change of plans, we really. need to make you some just, calls. <laughs> you just like, we both know that now that's not happening, right? Yes, yeah, okay. yes, yes. Right.
0: But that's an important conversation sometimes. is, hey, just so we're clear here. Um, I mean, this is one of these that didn't go well for me was the discussion of the August trip where I was like, so we're not going to that, right? And it's like, <laughs> mm. but you do need to sometimes say, like, let's just make sure we're both seeing all of the other person's guards. And, like, we do agree. Turn your key, sir. This is the thing we're doing or not doing at this juncture, you know? But it's – I don't know. It's it's, a, it's another form of black-and-white thinking, unfortunately, that, like, if I can't plan everything, I'll plan nothing. If I can't have total security, I'll be an absolute failure. And it's, like, this is this is – I guess I should – If I were to start teaching an online course, I think I would teach an online course called Almost Understanding Kierkegaard. And this is why we all need to read Soren Kierkegaard, The Sickness unto Death, maybe. Like, you know, take out the Jesus part. But the idea of like, you know what, the the pity in life, the, you know, the angst comes out of the fact that we are going to keep living until we don't. That's pretty much the whole game. And what you do in that time that you're not quite dead yet is, is on you. This is the existential crisis. This is like that we, and this is why I say almost understand Kierkegaard, but it's worth, it's worth understanding that idea that like you, Kierkegaard says there, you will not be consumed by your own angst and grief and sorrow. And like, haven't we all had a point where we're grieving? Somebody has died and we want nothing more in the world than to be consumed by our grief. So great is our grief, but that's not going to happen. You're going to survive until you don't. That's it. That's the entire thing. It's a zero and it's a one. Well, it's a one and then it's a zero then a long, long, long beep until they unplug the machine. It's like, I don't say that to be a downer, quite the opposite. There's something very bracing about the existential approach to life in the sense of going like, well, and it's not the same thing as being a libertarian. I think some people think that it's very different from that. But the the idea is that like, I'm sole agent in this man. If anybody else is the agent of this, I sure didn't get a note about it. But, like, there's, like, I guess I'm, it sounds really serious. I don't mean it to be. I guess what I'm saying is this is a, it, it's an opportunity in lots of ways. And it's not an opportunity you're going to probably get 16 more of. So don't squander it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. When I mentioned all the people, so many people who play, I know. Play this for
0: your wife so she thinks I'm smart, okay? Yeah, <laughs> so many people who I know who
1: have done, walk the same path many of whom i podcast with (laughs) you right now you know uh,
0: marco casey (laughs) dan benjamin for that matter like just you you and alex in, in the same month how crazy is that
1: yeah alex now too and it just and most of these people did it better and younger and more successfully than i did because that's just our natures i'm risk averse they are more brave than i am um and so that's fine we've made our different paths but we're kind of ending up in the same place and i feel like now it is my time to try walking this path and seeing how it goes. I feel like this is a good opportunity now to uh, thank everybody who listens to this podcast and has ever visited one of our sponsors from our ads and Mm -hmm. has ever purchased something from one of our sponsors because that in the end is what the sponsors want you to do. And that actually helps us. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't like ads at all, I want to thank everybody who pays for the show as a member. This is not a special member episode, but you will literally be paying for my life now. So thank you for that. Not that you weren't before, but now you're the only thing. (laughs)
0: Thank you for my life. No pressure. Thank you for being a member. (laughs) Apropos of that, um, as a follow-up question, uh, John Syracuse, is is there anything people can do to help? And by that I mean, uh, contact you, don't contact you, go to this link, don't go to that link. Is there anything, is an opportunity where, you know, you never know. Maybe more than the usual four or five people might hear this. I'm sure you'll talk about this on ATP first, because you're a monster. But uh, is there anything that you, uh, apart from saying thank you, is there anything you would like to uh, to ask of our listeners? Is there something that would be helpful to you right now? Because people have goodwill toward you. And even though you don't deserve it, people like you. What can people do for you right now?
1: I mean, if, if people are listening to this and they like the podcast that I'm on and they're not already a member, they could become a member. I agree. That's, feel, that that helps they John. Like it's a thing That helps that they John. Want to really do. do that. That's super, and, and I have, have to say this, honestly, like talking about this with my wife membership which is it, for both of us i think a relatively recent thing kind of mm-hmm. covid time like a couple kind of years really, really warming up to it right right um the fact that membership is like
0: I mean, it's again, only it's, not, it's only listeners it, who like you it's really it is,
1: nice right it is it let's let's put it this way it is more normal regular income than sponsors Because membership is periodical. It's paid on a monthly basis or an annual basis, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't want to show too much about the scary world of podcast advertising, but it does not work like that. (laughs) Getting paid by advertisers can sometimes be tricky. We love our advertisers, but it is a different kind of business. It is not a every month or every week or every, uh, you know, whatever. Like, so having... Any, literally any source of regular income, even if it is meager, makes my wife feel more comfortable because at least she knows that every month or every whatever.
0: Oh, so do something for her. You know, it's do something nice for her. You can go to givecyracuseyourmoney dot com and uh, support this program directly. Is that a real website? Of course it is. It's on right, my Twitter bio. Right. You just don't even look at my Twitter bio. You want to change your my bio? Your Twitter bio a lot. changes all the time. Who can keep up? I change. I change. I change all of them. I, I hopefully I try to get. All, I change all of them three times a week. Um, I'm. I'll speak to you privately and and tell you how excited uh, I am and, and worried and excited, but mostly excited, not worried. But you know what I mean. Like it's exciting. <laughs> but I'll just say you're this be to i we'll I'm gonna say That's this for clapping. Um, I think you're awesome, and I'm excited that you're doing this, and I believe in you. Not the parts that you will get plenty of support from other people telling you they'll buy your app and stuff like that. Although I will. But I think this is an exciting opportunity for you and your family, and I couldn't be happier to hear it.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, hopefully, we'll still be doing this several years from now.
0: Oh, do you believe I guessed it? I do believe it. Well, the thing is, people are going to hear this, and they're going to think, oh, you mentioned it in Slack or something. I'm guessing you've nope. already told your bonehead buddies on the popular show about this. because You're course- incorrect. <gasps> Daddy
1: Eats First? Yeah. This wow. is the show about my feelings in my life. You're going to make me cry. It's not a technology topic, (sighs) geez.